my goodness. Come on, Annie. Let's go to the movies. Let's go see the stars. <laughs> Cowboy heroes, cops and robbers, glamour and strife, bigger than life. Sitting in the darkness, what a world to see. Let's go to the movies any wait and see. Hello again, we are back. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. This is the Feminine Critique where we do stuff. Yep. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, it's been a while. Uh, hey, people, life happens. Stuff happens that requires us to do stuff that isn't record an episode for you. Okay, man? So lay off. Jeez. Back off, guys. Not that anybody's actually. No, no, no. not yeah. Nobody was like, hey, are you guys still? No, no, nothing. But it's fine. Like, I think people are just really patient. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those are the kind of listeners we have. You know, the three people out there that are just like, no, no, it's, it's, we're patient. We'll wait. That's what I like to think. <laughs> We're on other platforms talking to you. It's cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, you have access to us, okay? There. Uh, and so, therefore, because it's been, I think, like two months or something, we are once again going to do a catch-up episode where we just go over a whole bunch of stuff that we've been watching. And it's exciting because I know there's stuff that now I've caught up on. There is stuff that um, I am sure we have both watched and seen and all of that. So... We're going to dive in. Uh, we are going to flip the script, people. We're doing it reverse this time. Uh, for some reason, I, we usually start with TV. We're not. You know what? No. We're going to start with horror. Because I watched a lot of horror movies. Christine probably did, too. And I know for a fact that we both watched the, the Fear Street trilogy. So let's start there. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's start there. Okay. Uh, um, I don't know why I'm so angry about it. I just felt intense. I liked it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, the Fear Street trilogy, which is currently on the Netflix. Mm-hmm. The first thing I really use Netflix for in a, in a long time. So <laughs> thanks for that, justifying my ongoing subscription. Um, I thought these movies were fantastic. I will say, I think I enjoyed them. I enjoyed all three of them. I think I was not as high on them the way a lot of people and a lot of our peers particularly were. But I kept thinking, okay, I'm really curious. I feel like this is a property I need to see the whole thing of. And I think the the end justified everything for me, I guess. Um, I, re- I loved the third one. I really enjoyed it. I, I'm a sucker for old-timey horror. Uh, anytime I go to, like, any museum or any historical site, I'm like, every time, I just ima- just get really angry thinking, why aren't there more horror movies about Puritans? Life was hell for a Puritan. It's a horror movie in itself. Let's make more of them. Um, so I was happy that we did that. Uh, and I think it, from a story perspective, it, it completely worked for me in the end. Um, I had some problems overall with, with the films in different ways. Uh, and I am very fascinated about the whole the way these were released and even the way they were filmed I do not think these would have had the conversation they had had they been theatrical movies do you Correct. 100% no um so in my I, I this is a bold statement but I'm gonna say it I think that I could with enough time I think I could convince anybody of how good these movies were mm-hmm. 
Um, just, just because I, I feel very passionately about them and I feel, uh, I feel like I get them, not mm. to say that other people don't get them, but I do feel like I get them in like the way that they, what, what, uh, Lee Janik was trying to do, um, overall, I, I think that this was created as a cohesive thing Yeah, and, and a lot of even trilogies, I'm not going to talk about Star Wars that much. But even even trilogies aren't created with a singular vision in mind, with a singular outcome in mind. Um, it's very rare that you see the, they were like two hours each. That yeah. you see essentially six hours of of movie that that is like a whole buffalo. That nothing that's introduced isn't paid off. That yep. and I and I think that that's why if you had spread it out over like like a I, I think the initial plan was a monthly release schedule that it was going to be, you know, June 1st, July 1st, August 1st. I just don't think they would have. I, I mean, I I can say, like, I, I'm a horror fan. I love original horror. And I was an, a 90s kid. So fe- I read the Fear Street books. Like, I would have wanted to go see this in the theater. Um, 85% chance I would not have seen these in the theater in a real, like, non-pandemic world. Because I'm not going to pay $45, like, if I do the math, um, movies are expensive by me, and the idea of going to a theater to see a slasher that I'm probably going to enjoy, but oh, it'll be on Netflix in six months anyway, I'll see it at some point. Like, and, and that you had to see 1994, to see 1978, to see 1666. I, you cannot watch these out of order, which, and I don't think that's a bad thing, because it, this isn't, um... Like there are other things where that can be a problem, where people like try to. Like, I remember somebody jumping into Saw Six and being like, "I don't know what was going on." It's like, yeah, because there were five movies before. In this case, it's just no, no, no. This is a a mammoth. It would have been. It could have almost been a mini series in some ways, but it's not. They're movies. But I just don't think they would have. I think they would have been such a disappointment in the theater because they wouldn't have done well. Um, I think you would have had the the people that would have gone to see it would have loved it, but you wouldn't have had enough people go to see it and they would have just kind of fizzled out. Um, It would have been hard to find a theater showing the third one. Like I just, I I can't imagine a world. And I think it's just, I, I, and I am kind of, I I hate to say I'm an anti-theater person, but at this point in life, like, like, I mean, Black Widow came out and we decided we'll just Disney plus it. It was 30 bucks to do, which would have been, less money than it would have been had we gone to a movie to go see it. And I keep thinking like, oh man, Candyman, that's the one that I'll go to a movie theater for. Or will I? That's mine. Do I really want to sit in a theater and know that there are going to be people on their cell phones around me? Even at an Alamo. Like, it's it's a hard thing to justify now. And I I think that's okay. Like, I'm... I, like I, like I'm embarrassed, not embarrassed, but like I know there are people who are passionate theater goers who are probably very offended by my new by my kind of attitude where I am at this. Um, but I really think the future is theaters are gonna not die. I think a lot of theaters will die. I I think there may be more people like me that say, you know, I went a year and a half without going to a theater. I'm okay without doing it again. Um, but there is also something to the different way a movie plays on a theater versus at home. Your accessibility to it, your um, your ability to to pause and uh, 
and rewind and go back to things and, and rewatch these. I think a lot of people have already started rewatching them to see kind of how it all falls together. And I just, this would have been fun to see in a theater, but I feel like the conversations happened because it was on Netflix. Yeah, I, I, you're completely right. It, the, releasing it once a month was a recipe for failure. And yeah. I, like, were these set up to fail? Like, they would have failed. Yeah. I, I, I know because I know why, I, I, I watch really great horror movies that are skewed YA or have, mm-hmm. like, themes or female protagonists. I watch them fail in theaters. Yeah. Like, so so did they want this to do bad because you're right the 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 people that didn't like 94 aren't gonna go see the next one and then there were i've seen people say they don't like the second one which is wild to me because it's the best one um oh the third one for me 1666 is my jam really great like they're all great but like of course like there would be drop off there would be a hard time like with retention for something like that like it, it would be hard if you spread them out a year it would be harder if mm-hmm. hard if you spread them a week it'd be hard if you spread them out a month but like you deliver something into somebody's house that everybody's talking about because there's wider access to it and it's immediately like a, oh well i should just watch this so i can yeah. be in on the conversation and um, it was cool like it was cool to see that like even when i watched the first one i, I didn't love the first one there were things i liked about it i I mean, I think the thing that um, is really strong in the first one in particular is the characters. That you have your typical slasher victims, but the film understands, oh, hey, if we spend time with them and let them be funny and kind and brave and all of this, it, it's just a better movie. And, and you are more invested and you care more and it hurts more when things happen. Um, but at the same time, like the first one just didn't uh, didn't wow like I, I think so, I don't know there were just some things that just pacing wise the first one kind of didn't grab me the way I wanted to but I loved seeing on Twitter how excited people were it was so great mm-hmm. yeah I didn't the first one was not my favorite but I do think that now knowing what it is and what it yeah. does the first one would play different like I definitely do think that and um, I actually did not enjoy the the two female protagonists in the first one. Okay. And in the third one, I was like, oh, is this why you cast them? Because there's... Yeah. (laughs) And that's a tough thing. And that third one, as soon as I realized, oh, they're doing... And I I love that that trick of, okay, we just... We're the same actors in these parts. They are not the same characters. But it makes sense that they're all types. And I loved seeing, like... The I can't remember the character's name. The um, the girl and boy who die in the first one. Spoiler alert! Who come back in the third just as friends, and it was like it was just interesting how it didn't like the, I don't the movie was not suggesting that oh this girl was a, a descendant of this character in 1666. It was just using them to kind of um, almost get in. Um, the main character's head of oh right this probably pads it out a bit but there was something as a viewer that was so emotionally satisfying about getting to see these kids um who had come to care for and then lost get to be there again and do something good it was just like i i teared up i watched it at the gym and i actually cried well this is fan fiction everyone. yeah yeah you're right fiction when you take established characters that you already have a connection to and you place them, it's like a shorthand 
place them in other situations. Can you imagine? Well, I I was a doubting Thomas on this big time because I completely agree with you. The emotional buy-in on that third one is unreasonably yep. high, yeah. and it is because that they there was so many correct things done. So now you're not just walking like blind into something set in, in the 1600s. Like I'm not even like the the main demographic of this movie, and that the that idea bores me. I love that witchcraft shit from that era is always evocative, but I'm like, okay, well, how are you going to hook me on like a super pasty thing? Right, like right. That? Using Dude. modern actors who I've seen in, in 1994, but in a modern setting. Like, I was like, oh, I don't know. And then when they did the, the preview after the second one for the third one, and I was like, oh, oh, I, I didn't realize that they were just plugging already right. stuff characters into okay, well, 100%, I trust this, and everyone knows yeah. what they're doing. Like, it was so deliberate, and it yeah. was so smart. It was so smart, because well, imagine if there is some, like, 14-year-old girl watching this, like, the, the immediate buy-in to this, to this old-timey thing. Yeah, because they have eased you into it in a really interesting way. And I think even the, what you said about fan fiction is so interesting, because that is the whole concept of doing a Fear Street movie that isn't actually a Fear Street movie. Like, this is, and, and it's funny because I saw somebody be like, oh, I didn't know Earl Stein could write like this. It's like, no, 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 he didn't. Like, this isn't his work. This is purely, in, like, I wish they had said inspired by Fear Street instead of based on, because it's not based on the books. Um, it is based on the idea of Fear Street was a series. Did you read um, Fear Street books when you were a kid? I read every single one. Oh, I didn't know that. I read a lot of them. Um, they, because you, I mean, you and I are the same age, so we were too old for Goosebumps, but we were in that demographic of Christopher Pike and Earl Stein, like, but yep. not the Goosebumps, the, like, the stuff he was writing first. Um, and, like, these aren't Fear Street stories, it's just taking the idea of, all right, Fear Street was about, the, like, all of this shit that happened to teenagers in this town. Um, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. Fear Street definitely there was things that were happening to kids in these towns, usually a female centered protagonist. Mm -hmm. What for me made the fear street book successful was kind of what RL Stein. I don't think he took, but for what he, he got, uh, what was similar to the Lois Duncan stories and books, which would be like Mrs. Tingle story. And I know what you did last summer, those stories. This for me was more closer to Lois Duncan Mm. like the girl the, the the characters are more righteous there is this mix of of past and present and lois did that a lot mm. uh, like, I, I didn't read much lois duncan i read a lot of christopher pike i only read her as an adult and i i can tell you it works i've read so many just on, on a plane like yeah just, yeah a book on a plane and you're like okay nice. but she mixed that <laughs> like the town there's like one about like a hanging tree, essentially. I would say there's more Lois Duncan in these than R.L. Stein. Mm. Granted, I definitely read Lois Duncan more recently. And I just think that he probably took a lot of inspiration from what she was doing and how she sure. told her stories. Um, I think that that Wes Craven movie, Sum Summer of Fear. Summer of Fear with Linda Blair. Isn't that a Lois Duncan story? Oh, it might it be. Is. It feels like it would be. But it's that kind of like... Hey, my cousin came to visit, but she's a witch. But she's evil, yeah. Well, and it's very, like, 
Because it's funny to see people who didn't actually read the YA horror books try to figure it out. Because, um, I mean, I didn't expect it to be as gory and, like, R-rated as it is. But in hindsight, like, the books were. They didn't have cursing. They didn't have, like, real sex. But they did have extreme violence. Like, there wasn't torture, but these books were violent and people did die. And young people died quite often. Um, so it's it, it's making perfect sense that, like, this is the right, I think sentiment and the right um sort of attitude about it like it did feel like yeah no this this feels like that it is more dangerous than i expected it to be but that's just because i think i assumed they would have aimed for a a younger audience and i i think it that was bold yeah that that they didn't um it's cool and it was very true to the the source material in that way which is exciting Mm mm-hmm upsetting i mean but i think there is there was it was never this is kind of looping back around it was never in my opinion mean-spirited um the characters were handled with a lot of love and Mm -hmm. reverence um and and like i personally enjoyed how it didn't like it didn't pull a jj abrams like it didn't introduce questions that it never paid off it didn't didn't operate with the understanding that like, oh, I can, I can say this town is cursed and then never explain anything. Yeah. It's just really satisfying to see somebody feel, to feel like somebody wanted to tell a complete story. And the, I think the, um, like, obviously there's, you know, a lot of horror in particular, but, but just works today has your underdogs and your underdogs are all your, oh, they're all the weirdos. They're all slightly different, but, I think what this film did that was that really did work was it, it framed all of it and gave it such a great explanation, great reveal that just all of the things that you can get angry, all of like the inequality basically, it it called it out and said, "Oh yeah, and you know what? It's been in America's soil for 300 years." Um I think it really did manage to say something. I think it did have um, even putting aside the fact that it was great, you know, hey, we had lesbians as your main central relationship in a three-film horror series, which is great. Even, like, that's great, but I think the uh, the other, the reveal of the villain, let's say, um, I think was really important. And I think it, it, it said something without having to call out every every point of it. Yes, for sure. There, uh, there was a joke made. I'm not going to spoil anything because I still feel like people should watch mm-hmm. these. Same. Um, there was a point where a joke was made in my household, like a ah ha ha. They're covering this. They're covering that. Now all they need to do is say blank, and then we kind of found out where it was going. And I was like, <laughs> they kind of just did do that. But <laughs> and and I think there. I don't want to. So the second one was my favorite. Um, I really like that little girl, the little redhead girl. Sadie Sink. Stranger Things mm-hmm. among many. I think she's the fucking best. She's so good. She's really cool. Like every time she, I see her do something, I'm like, you're just really cool. I, I'd want to be friends with you, but you wouldn't be friends with me. I'm, you're too cool for me. So cool. And so like, I became like hyper attached to her because what they did with that story, in my opinion, was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And upsetting 
And then when you get a, a, a third movie reveal of like just how bad it was, and yeah. she, she gets to take her own revenge, it's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't often get. Like, I, I was like, okay, so I was really worried for her in the third movie. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, genuinely, I was worried for everybody in the third movie because, you know, a third movie does a lot of things. And, sure. and it essentially be where you get rid of people. Well, especially when the first two movies have established that the series is not going to not kill people <laughs> when, you know, even if you think they, well, you know, they're, they're not going to kill that person, right? <gasps> oh. Well, and another thing that it did really well, I, I applaud its character work, honestly, because the second one starts and it's in the past. So there's an, the, I'm not, this is not a spoiler, but it's in the past. So like, there's a lot of people that are just going to die because yeah. that's what happened, sure. you know? And I was immediately fucking sad. Yeah. Like, the amount, I knew how this, I know how this is going to end because it's like, you know, American Horror Story 1984. You know people aren't going to make it out of this slasher right, summer right. thing. And, and like, I was sad. And, and then the third one started, and I cried, like, immediately. <laughs> I'm like, I know how this ends because I've seen the first movie. Right, right. I, I cried for me. I, I welled up in the, fir- in the second one when um, the bl- – I can't remember her name – in the when the – the older sister and her former friend, the blonde girl, like the short-haired kind of tough girl, when they had a moment. I thought that was really touching. I thought this gave so much weight to this these characters' friendship when we haven't even seen them as friends. Um, but in the third one, it was actually, I'm just going to say the burial, when characters who are there but are, don't need to be there in the story in, in many ways, but when they say, you know, we owe this to her, um, it, and again, this is where it's, they're just characters that we've just met, but they are played by actors who we've seen before, um, where I just, I found that so touching and I'm like, what is friendship? That's really sweet. And it got me. Beautiful friendship. And yeah. I appreciated that. And also the, the yes, the, the, the female reconciliation of female friendship in the second one is yeah. very much like the reconciliation of female friendship in the final girls. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is so I, I thought a lot about that movie watching this. That I, th- I think they, because um, again, I, I have never cried in a horror movie the way I did in Final Girls, and it you you understand what it is, which is you know, <laughs> hey, if you tr- like, we we've grown up watching movies about teenagers being murdered. Um, occasionally, you like them and you feel sad when they die, but hey, this is what I came for, right? Um, but but when, you know, and Final Girls did this and Fear Streets did this, where you take a little more time or you just do a little more to really make them and their relationships matter, and it is heart-wrenching. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, and just, you know, to close it out, because I know we have a lot to talk about, I, I think when people really judge fan fiction or don't, like, they don't get it or they don't give it a chance or they think it's one thing and it's it's actually something else. This is what it it offers that catharsis yeah. like for characters who got done wrong or relationships that didn't get to flourish or people or characters that died, you get to bring them back and and kind of hang out with them a little bit longer and often get those moments of closure that you never got to get in the original text. Yeah. And and people can think that that's silly if they want, but there is there is something really uh, beautiful yeah. and familiar about it. And I think the third one really captured that well. I would agree. 
Have oh. you seen uh, her other film, Honeymoon? Yes, and I fucking hated it. Really? So, I loved it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Fascinating. And then some, somebody whose name I cannot recall, and I think she is one of the best film writers I've literally ever read, um, wrote a really beautiful piece about it. Mm. And, and, like, I was like, I need to watch this movie again. This is amazing. Like, somebody found all this in this movie. It must be phenomenal. And I just didn't connect with it. And then I watched this, and I was like, okay, well, I need to go back and watch that movie again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and something else, a reason why I would say everybody who hasn't seen it should see it, I think it's fascinating because it is really different from Fear Street. I don't think Mm -hmm. there's so much where... Um, I, I wouldn't have guessed that it was the same director making both of those movies because I think Honeymoon is, is haunting and slow and body horror and all these things that you just, that you don't have in Fear Street because the material doesn't call for it, but it, it would be an interesting, I think, to go back to and see, um, how like, okay, this is, this is a filmmaker to really watch for. And I'm excited. I, I hope she stays in the genre. I hope, I, I guess there's talk about like doing more Fear Streets. I don't need more Fear Streets. I'd like her to do something different. Like sure, Netflix can make a Fear Street series. That's fine. But I'd like to see her keep growing as a filmmaker. Sure, because I, I think that's something really interesting and important is that the, she adapted and became, and, and became the director for the material. Yeah. She did, she wasn't given the material because that's who she already was. She's a very competent filmmaker, yeah, clearly. Definitely. Because you're complete. Like I, I'm waiting for people to start complaining about the pacing of Fear Street. I, I that was extremely deliberate. It was. It was. Yeah. And I had this really high theory about how like people are like kids have no attention span. They need to. <laughs> they watch talks and they're only thirty seconds and vines. And I'm old and I don't get it. I think that kids just or younger people just ingest information differently and i think that they can hold more and i think they well, and i think cont- i think so much of it it's a chicken and egg thing because i think about that a lot where um like yes there is a different access and different like oh i can fast forward to the part i like now i can hit a button and, and rewatch this one episode or this this five minutes of the episode and it's like so now content is made towards that but I don't know that it means that a kid couldn't sit down and watch uh, Casablanca and, and like, you know, get distracted. Like, I think there's, I don't know, I, I think the, the same people that complain about attention spans are the ones um, are part of a system that is making things towards that attention span. So I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I just, I'm just waiting for it to hear the pacing complaints yeah. and can't wait to be like oh I think it was deliberate yeah no I thought the first one just the pacing is odd and I had a hard time wrapping kind of like finding my place in it um where it's you know you you start with a very scream infused opening and then there's a lot of character stuff which I liked and then just kind of it just it's an it was an odd pacing that didn't flow the way I was expecting it to I did not have a problem with pacing on the second two at all no, me neither. And I do wonder if it is that thing that I always say about, like, when you start watching a Shakespeare adaptation, you need a minute yeah. to, to learn the language. Sure. And I feel like I needed a minute to learn her filmmaking language. That's a these. really good point. Yeah, I like and, that. And, I, yeah, I, I look forward to going back. Yeah. Cool. So what other horror have you watched? Oh, boy. So did I talk about... Um, 
like the killer jeans movie. Yes, and you said it was very good. Slacks. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where I where I stopped last time. <laughs> Did we talk about a movie called The Toll that I thought was really good, but I'm sure everybody hates because it felt like a story I would write. <laughs> I feel like you mention it, and I still haven't. Fa- I don't think it's streaming, right? Or is it? Yeah, I think we rented it. But okay. hey, everybody, I'll let you know if it's ever anywhere. Um, so I guess like the real starting point would be Army of the Dead. Oh, good, because I watched that too. So look, look, I I think that I if it's there are very there are very specific exceptions to this obviously because we have talked about Sucker Punch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. So we have for those who don't know, we hate it. I hate that movie, and I have seen it three times now, so it's not something that's just going to double back and be suddenly great. Um, I think I love Zack Snyder. I really do, and I'm very sorry that this is who I am, but it is. Uh, (laughs) I love that he loves making movies. I think his love of filmmaking does come out in what he does. I, and I really enjoy some of his movies. Um, There's just, and I don't, I'm not counting, I hated Man of Steel so much that I did not watch any other of his superhero properties. Um... For me, I think he has weird sensibilities. I think there is every time I watch with, and this was probably the first time I didn't, I didn't see it. Every Zack Snyder film to me is both homoerotic and homophobic. I think this was the first time where it, I didn't get any weird. Uh, it's it's gay, it's gay, so it's okay, it's not gay. I didn't get any of that in this one, which which I was happy for. I I thought it was fantastic. There's recently I've had this feeling like. I feel like I've all when people are like, oh, fan service, fan service. I always get like, I always bristle because I'm like, I like, look, I would, I'm a fan. I would too would like to be serviced. And I feel like there's been a lot of things recently that like, I'm like, yeah, fan service me. This was just total fan service. Oh, completely. Yeah. Ooh, the Dawn of the Dead remake of which I am a super fan uh-huh. of. So yes, fan service me please give me a zombie movie that like does the some similar gags to a movie that i fucking love i don't care <laughs> and yeah i i was fine with this i didn't love it um i didn't dislike it it was a good like i think i watched half of it at the gym it's really long i watched some of it at the gym i watched some of it like in the background like it was entertaining and inoffensive to me i thought there were some funny bits i thought there were some characters that really worked um i think of resident is it resident evil extinct the third one that's set in las vegas and it's you're like oh good a zombie movie in like in dead las vegas how cool and they don't do much with it in that resident evil movie at all so it kind of felt also like that of oh hey here was a good idea somebody else had so we're gonna go for it and i thought that was really cool i think like a zombie shootout in a casino yeah give me that i'll take that zombies that are you know showgirls turned zombie yeah that's cool like i'm into it oh like obviously this isn't it's not like high art it didn't like but like he was working some stuff out and he was doing stuff visually it was interesting and honestly like the whole tignataro thing hilarious i like i good for zack snyder for removing shit and putting Tignataro in instead like it, it's the best move like I mean there's always things that happen or things have always happened just that things come out now more and we call people on shit 
And here is a case where, you know, um, hey, I made a movie and one of my characters turns out that this guy is a like child rapist. I don't want mm-hmm. him in my movie. I don't want his name on my movie. I don't want this souring anything. Let me not just replace him and find a way around it. Let me replace him in a way that is also like saying something like, let me cast a lesbian. And it works. It works so good. She's one of the best parts. She's that, so funny. Of, yeah. So good. And the um, way they had to do it, and like, I forget how much money it cost, but it's all green screen. Like, it, it's really interesting to read about um, because it's, you know, it's a new, plus it was done during COVID. Like, and it, it's just one of those, I think, things about this movie that makes it also really interesting as a, like, kind of article of conversation in terms of filmmaking and film decisions. And I think it was the right one. Yeah. I so like I get people not liking it. Like yeah. I never would like blindly recommend it to like a large group of yeah, people. Yeah, same, same. But like I liked it. It is very much what I am looking for mm-hmm. at this point. It it did have that Resident Evil feel while also feeling like a like a direct sequel to one Dawn of my of the Dead. Yeah, totally. And it like it did a lot of things right. Sure, maybe it could have been cut down or maybe it could have, like, certain things were cliche, but, like, I don't know. Uh, so I, I feel like we've hit a point where it's hard to make a good zombie movie. Yeah. Or, like, nobody's even trying anymore. <laughs> exactly. And, and and this, yeah, this this wasn't phoned in by any means. And I, and I don't think Zack Snyder knows how to phone something in. I think that's probably to a detriment that I think he really cares about what he does and some probably sometimes doesn't have a good editor or somebody else to say, oh, do you, are you sure you want to do it that way? Or maybe you're doing this a little too much. But I appreciate his passion. Yeah, I think he edited that movie, didn't he? I think he maybe did. I... Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. And it makes sense because that's why it's, you know, two and a half, half hours. Look. What are you saying? We're recording. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I talked, we were talking about Tig Mataro. <laughs> yeah. I know, no, you're fine. <laughs> Would Zach like to submit anything formally regarding his thoughts on Tig Notaro? loves Tig Notaro, and he's just very excited that she was in something like that, and that, yeah. that was the choice. And I agree, like, it was, to me, that, like, elevates anything. I'd agree <laughs> well, completely. You're good choice. <laughs> they could have picked any brown-haired comedian. Yep. And they were like, you know what? You know no. who I'm going to No. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I agree. Um, I'm going to keep to, like, my first time watches and stuff that I'm actually, like, wanting to talk about mm-hmm. instead of talking about everything because I have too much. Um, so I watched the new Conjuring movie. Uh, okay. Would you think? I'm, I haven't seen it. I probably will never see it. I really only like Conjurings when they involve Annabel. Yeah, I hated it. I haven't heard much. Yeah, it was bad. It was um, it was bad. Okay. <laughs> it was really bad. I don't want to spoil it for anybody if anybody is curious to watch it. But, like, it, it, I found it just really, really bad. There's just nothing that I liked about yeah. it. I gave it one star out of five. I rated it. Um, yeah. But, you know, in a shocking twist, I saw uh, Spiral. The Saw movie? Wait, okay. <laughs> is this, there are, why are there so many fucking horror movies called Spiral? 
spiral. It's impossible to search. There's for an Adam Green spiral. There's the spiral that was on Shutter. There's Spiral Ugetsu, the Japanese movie, and now there's a Saw spiral. Why? Why? There's even more than that. Those are yeah. just the ones I know. I like those are the ones I know too. But there are way more. Right. I don't get it. I don't know why. I I don't either. I don't know why they couldn't call this something else. I, I, well, they did, right? Wasn't it Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is just stupid? Yeah, they just called it the Book of Saw. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they called it. Just call whatever. it Saw again, or, or now you saw me, now you see. I don't know. They could have found something. But what did you think of Spiral? I have not seen it yet. I love it. <gasps> really? Um, I I I really liked it. It's been. I think I saw it. The beginning of May? Yeah. It's been a while since I saw it, so I would need to see it again mm-hmm. to really hit talking points. But, like, I, I liked it a lot. I thought Chris Rock's performance was really weird and really <laughs> interesting. And it was weird. It was, it, was, it was a Saw movie, for sure. And I think the fact that it was just, like, a Saw movie, but, like, it, it was weird and good and interesting. Oh, and, man. like aggressive in a strange way oh good it should be every saw movie should be aggressive i yes so i would say that once you watch it like i would watch it and talk about it nice okay yeah saw we have to talk about yeah yes we do for those who don't know christine and i did like a three episode series where we covered every fucking saw movie it was intense so we have to we have to we would have to talk about this one okay i'm curious to hear your thoughts but i remember my main takeaway was like this was weird and i liked it which i like hearing and what's cool about spiral everybody i know has had a different opinion on it there is no consensus i've heard people that loved it people that hated it people that were very confused by it people that were like yeah it's great if you like saw and then other people that were like no it's it's bad if you if you thought you were getting a saw so i don't know and by the way there are 12 Actually, no, there are 13 titles that are either Spiral or The Spiral, just when I look on Just Watch. So, yeah, really popular title for some reason. People, stop calling your movie Spiral. I know, it undercuts other Spirals. Very much, because there's a lot of good Spirals. There really are. Um, But I I did like this, and I can't imagine watching it in a theater to talk about, to speak to your point. Um, So I watched Vamps. I don't know Vamps. Vamps is, I'm on Letterboxd, so I can look at everything, and it's easy. It's from 2012, mm-hmm. um, and it stars Kristen Ritter and Alicia Silverstone, and it is an Amy Heckerling movie. Oh, my God. That sounds delightful. Is it? It's not that good. Oh, that's disappointing. Um, there's a good movie in there, and mm. I don't, I'm sure there is some, somebody probably listening to this right now that knows much more about this movie than I do. There is a really good movie buried in this. Okay. Um, it is frustrating that it is not on display. Disappointing. Um, I, my Letterboxd review is, um, if I can get anything to load. While I get this to load, Alicia Silverstone has never been better, more huh. likable, or hotter. Nice. She stupid good in this. Um, and... And there are some funny parts, but like, okay, so my review is there is an amazing life-changing movie in here. I'm just sad we got what, what we got wasn't better. Aww. So yeah, like, it's about vampires, like, like cool, like hip 
feet like Kristen Ritter is like a hip lady vampire and uh, Alicia Silverstone sired her and she's like not or, or they have the same sire and she's like not cool and old and kind of square because she's been a vampire for a long time. Oh, this sounds like it should be so good. The setup is like like it makes my mouth water. Yeah. Like I'm like you know, this is amazing. And then it doesn't deliver and it's a real oh. bummer because I mean it's Amy Herkeling. I know what she's capable yeah. of. And I always want her to pull it out too. Yeah, so it's a bummer. It's streaming Aww. somewhere. It's on. It looks like it's on Tubi and Roku. Like it's it's that streaming. But like I thought, like this could. I I kind of should have known. Like more people would probably talk about this if yeah. there was something fantastic there. Um, I watched No Escape Room. <gasps> Me is, too. Not Escape Room. <laughs> there are so many um, rip off Escape Rooms. Because uh, I watched, like, I think I've watched like three of them over the past year, and this one I almost couldn't remember. This is the one that's really Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the main guy, the dad, was on, was in both Hallmark Christmas movies and um, the sl- slasher of the series, which is like pure Canada. So as soon as he shows up, I'm like, oh, this was filmed in Canada. And then they all start talking. I'm like, oh, they didn't even try not to be Canadian. <laughs> Canadian, yeah, 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 and there were like a couple cool things, but I would say Same. overall, this overstayed its welcome. It, yeah. it didn't know what it was. It wasn't focused. It didn't it... know how mean to be was my problem because it didn't. I, I didn't understand like the thing that's so great about Escape Room, not No Escape Room, is that it like much like the Fear Street series, it understands that if you know the characters and care about them a little bit, you're gonna get a better movie. <laughs> And, like, with this one, like, there's no... Usually every one of these movies has, like, the, the token asshole. And this one doesn't, but I almost wanted it to, because there was nobody to root for or against. Yeah, it was kind of bland. It was very boring. Yeah, it was, it was blah. And it ended, like, I remember... It was one that, like, I think I cut up. I think I watched it, like, on two workouts or something like that. Uh, by the way, this makes it sound like I work out a lot. I don't. I just go to the gym on the weekends, and it's an hour block of an elliptical, and usually that's when I'll watch a horror movie. Um, but, like, so I broke it up weird, so I thought it was me. Like, oh, I cut it at, like, an hour, and there's only 20 minutes left, so I broke the, you know, the pacing of it. No, I think it was just not that good a movie. No. My, I mean, my rating for it out of five was two stars. Um, yeah. I don't think a terrible rating but definitely like i don't i'll never revisit this i won't think about it yeah um oh okay so here's a movie that i feel like has been advertised on every streaming platform um and i finally watched it it's what lies below it's what lies what lies below christine i don't know this movie it's a mina mina savari is in it um, she, she's in a lot of random horror movies. Really is. She's not in this enough, which is a bummer because I actually really liked her in it. She plays the mom, and it. Um, which, it, if you want to feel old, that's when your teenage I, cool characters are playing moms. Are moms? But you know what? I, let me say this about that. Zach and I were kind of talking about this yesterday. It's cool that like more so now than previously. It seems. Um, actresses we grew up with and people that are our age and maybe a little bit older are still in stuff mm-hmm. and it's it's really like exciting to see like a contemporary True. in some like oh look Mina Savari is still hot and cool and she has a weird <laughs> face lover and she's in this so it's amazing um it's a good feeling but it's so it centers on her daughter mostly and um 
it's it's weird and it should have been way better mm. it's like about it's like about they they're, they're in a house by the lake and the lake comes into play and water comes into play and there's a new boyfriend and he's weird what's he all about and um there's a lot of like weirdness between the boyfriend and the daughter and it's strange and uncomfortable um but this one really it could have pushed further or harder mm. it sounds boring is it boring it's a little boring okay. um there's a lot going on mm-hmm. like and you know i don't have a problem with that like you can have a very basic premise it's just kind of what you do in that world and i didn't feel like they did enough got it um it's but like i mean if anybody's interested in looking at like a, a weird water-based horror movie <laughs> you got dark water and you got this one there dark water just started streaming and i don't know if i'm gonna watch it i still haven't seen either one of them <laughs> Um, I haven't seen the, the original, but like the second one, the Jennifer Connelly one, if no one knows what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, um, is was filmed on Roosevelt Island, which is one of my favorite islands. It's Roosevelt Island um, is is a cool, weird place. It, it used to be like when even when I first moved to New York back in 20, oh, 2007, it was already starting to not be. Mm. So I, oh, when I left, they were building condos. And so. I, yeah, it's it's definitely now it's a place that um, I was playing soccer there a few years ago, and it's like, you know, there's restaurants, there's condos, you can't live there cheap, but I have one really funny Roosevelt Island story that was like, back when you really couldn't live in Roosevelt Island, even then, this was going back to 2004, and I can tell you, because it was when I was graduating college, and I was looking for an apartment, and of course, I'm graduating college, I am like still looking for a job. So my budget's like 500 bucks a month in New York, which you find usually by living in somebody's closet. And I see an ad on Craigslist for Roosevelt Island. I'm like, okay. And the price was really low. So I go out to see the apartment and the person on the ad was like, okay, I will meet you at the train station and walk you to the building, which is kind of weird, but you know, whatever. I'm young. It sounds fine. And so I get there and there is a man on roller skates that comes and greets me and says, oh, are you Emily? Okay, I'll show you. And he's roller skating me to the, like, he's ro- I'm roller skating and I'm walking next to him. Um, he shows me the apartment and it's just like this really nice apartment with four bedrooms. And just like, it was very odd where he's like, yes, yeah, so there's, um, you know, two other people that live here. They're students, uh, you know, and it's really cool. We have a really cool vibe. And I'm looking at the apartment. I'm like, there's like, this, this isn't like, there's no way this is this price. And I leave, like, on good terms. I'm like, okay, yeah, let me, you know, I'm still looking at a few places. And I go home, and I start talking to somebody about it. And the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, no, he's definitely a serial killer. Like, there is no way this is this is a thing that can be happening. And I look like, I think I, mu- I might have called later and, like, left, and I get his voicemail. So I'm like, hey, thanks, but, um, I, you know, I found another place. Thank you so much. He calls me back three times and leaves a message saying like, hey, are you sure? It's really like, we'd really love to have you. And then I look on Craigslist and I see other people have left like comments about his posting saying like, this guy is a murderer. (laughs) That other people have the same experience, like where like he wouldn't stop calling them after he showed them. He was only showing the apartment to women. Like everything about it was like, wow. I totally missed out on being murdered by the Roosevelt Island Strangler, but, you know, so was my fate. I think you may have told me this story, like, a million years ago, because I remember the roller skate thing. Oh, yeah. But, wait, it's still chilling. I, 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 
you got me in that last half. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Which also, now that I'm saying that, why don't we have more slashers where the killer is on roller skates? It's it because it's that it's actually really funny because it's this like really sad attempt at seeing like seeming like cool and like laid back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was rollerblades too, which which is you know cooler. Oh, but yes, yeah, so Dark Water takes place on Roosevelt Island, a weird <laughs> island that used to be called Blackwell's Island um, that they put people who had the plague on, um, and back in the seventies it had it was just like a ton of hospitals, not necessarily. Um, institutions where they kept people um, that had the plague, but there was a lot of hospitals. So even when I used to go there back in the mid 2000s, um, it was still just a lot of hospitals. There were people that were rolling down the streets on gurneys, oh, and wow. it was a, it was such a weird vibe. Like multiple amputees just on gurneys rolling down the streets. It was very strange and very haunting. Yeah. So when I saw that there was a horror movie, <laughs> makes sense. But it's not, I, if I remember correctly, and I'm being honest, it's not very good. It's just, I very much, that setting, because the, the, all the um, architecture is very, like, like 70s and, and concrete and of a specific time period, like, d- like Danish, kind mm. of. I can't remember what it actually is. Um, and so weird. It's such a fucking weird place. And it's so sad to me that it's... it's now, just for rich people less weird i think it's always going to be weird but in spider-man the sam raimi spider-man that final fight is on roosevelt oh yeah i forgot that i'm i was i've been mildly obsessed with it for quite a while <laughs> one day you too will get murdered by the rollerblading killer of roosevelt island i might feel that story for myself and please integrate do. It something do it do it so <laughs> i fully fully endorse it so i didn't watch dark water but i did watch a movie called Werewolves Within. I've heard good things about this movie. I gave it four and a half stars, if Very that's any nice. indication. Very nice. I loved it. Um, it's the dude that did that uh, Scare Me movie. Oh, which we both enjoyed. Both enjoyed it. Hey, guess what? This is better. So, I, you know what? I want that. I want to watch a movie and be like, oh, you know what? I didn't love this, but I see a lot of fucking mm-hmm. potential. And then I want you to pull a Mike Flanagan on me, and I want you to show up and blow my fucking mind. Yep. And this is this is great. Nice, very nice. So I think people should watch it. I think we we rented it from. Something. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's streaming for free anywhere yet, but. Yeah, but I definitely wanted to see it and support it because I had heard so many good things, and then when I realized who it was involved, I was like, oh yeah, I want to watch this. Nice. Um, so this is my this is my five star. I look. Did, does it deserve five stars? I don't know, but it. But for me, it's a five star movie. So it is a movie called Till Death. I don't know if you know. Sounds what familiar. Keep going. It's from this year. Okay. It is Megan Fox. Oh, um, I have not seen it. I've definitely heard of it because it's been. Um, I feel like she's been interviewed uh, a lot as of late. Yes, she. So. My 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 little my little heart is so full from how justified I feel and yeah. how much I love. Um, this movie is stupid good. It's um like a, a a kind of a home invasion, but not really. It's like an invasiony movie. So in my review for it, I said it's like your next mixed with Tiger House. Ooh, okay, <laughs> like, okay. I, I like where that's going. It's got big your next energy like. 
big like I'm gonna like I have to fight for my life and um but also like I don't know it, it, it's it's like a siege movie mm. it's I don't know it's so good and she does such a good job with it I don't want to spoil anything at all but it's also in the snow which oh I, yeah yeah I love it's 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 a very simple premise but and you know like um there's that Gabrielle Union um like like House Under Attack movie I know the one you and, mean and we keep saying we should watch it and I keep forgetting what it's called yeah I forget what it's called too I watched it and I liked it but sometimes when you have that like I'm in a house movie like like Burning Bright or Tiger House or your next sure. you think there's always that chance where it can get really thin mm-hmm. or or crawl is that the alligator one anything yep. like that they're like okay well what are you gonna do you've established that you're in this single setting what are you gonna do with it and I think this one this one manages to keep it moving nice. like we here we go there now we call back to this and you know the geography and that's important rehash um I recently watched something that everybody said that they liked and I was like I don't know the fucking geography of this I don't know why I'm supposed air or where anything is i don't know what what that was but if i remember i'll tell you oh oh it's literally the second the second to last movie i'm going to talk about um yeah but till death megan fox and she is so she makes such stupid little one-liners and she's so quip she's so quippy occasionally it's like it's everything that you want Good. good for her good for the movie i look forward to watching that at some point uh, and I am I am happy with the uh, kind of reevaluation of Megan Fox, if you will. Yeah, listening to her talk about Jennifer's body and say like mm-hmm. how proud she is of it and how like she stands by it, and it yeah. was a great experience. Like, warms my heart. Yeah, she's a top notch lady. Yep. Um, I watch Shocker. <laughs> oh man, it's been so many years since I've seen that, but I watched that so many times when I was a kid. I don't know why. Maybe it was always on, or maybe I recorded it and really liked it. Well, I mean, maybe both. It, yeah. It, it, I had never seen it. Uh, I always thought it was, like, air quotes, bad. Like, people didn't like it, and it was bad. Like, a, And I don't necessarily want to watch Wes Craven be bad. Right, right. He's like, I, I think that we've talked about this. I've established recently that like, he's my guy. Like I love John Carpenter stuff, and I do love Romero. I think he's a visionary. Um, but like Wes Craven's my guy. Like, I get that. And I don't, I don't want to watch him be bad. But mm-hmm. this, this wasn't bad. It's, you know, I feel like it today. It probably would play better. I think at the time, um, and even like in the 90s when I watched it, I kind of watched it thinking, like feeling, and I always put it on the same page as the first power to me. Like I would watch them together. I think tonally they're very similar where they're really brutal, but also weirdly gooey. Um, and yeah. that was something that I think if I watched it, the last time I watched it was probably like 10 years ago. And I remember thinking that, that tonally it's just, it it um, it wants to be like, if, if memory serves, there's like Henry portrait of a serial killerness to it in the beginning, where it's pretty brutal. But then you have like ghost girlfriend saving the day with a heart necklace, which I always remember thinking was dumb. No, yeah, but but no. So okay. yes, all of that. It's it's schlocky. So this is what I said, and if you follow me on Twitter, you probably already saw me say this, so it's not a revelation. But um, I said this is Wes Craven's Twin Peaks. 
this oh. intense Twin Peaks energy yeah. for on so many fucking levels. It is uncanny at points. If you're if you're familiar I see enough, that. yeah. First, there are things in there that are very like, whoa, wait, what? And it, and I think that makes it more interesting. But I, I look, I don't want to see you tell me a story about the suburbs unless you're Wes Craven or David Lynch. Like I don't. <laughs> so this is so like if twin peaks is i mean lynch does it a lot but like if we say twin peaks is lynch you know exploring what it means to be to live and grow up and and exist in suburbia like i feel like this is this is wes craven doing something similar around the same time and the results are eerily similar interesting (laughs) a lot of it's really weird and the thing about the girlfriend that you bring up i didn't expect and it was it was like strangely sweet and earnest, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Twin Peaks that is bizarrely earnest. Completely. And I think that that's something that, as a as a society, we we might always have trouble with when True. like a, when like a story or a filmmaker is like I'm going to be earnest. People think that that's corny or it makes them uncomfortable or they think it's dumb. That's my shit. Mm-hmm. Be earnest because like it shows that you care and that yeah. you're. You're giving me something I should care about. I feel that way now. I did not feel that way, you know, in my 20s, let's say. That was definitely something that has changed over the last few years. I was was talking about this um, on, actually on my blog, I actually get comments on my blog still occasionally, which is always fun because people don't do that anymore. And it was, we were talking about like mean movies because I've said before, I don't like mean movies. And then I was kind of explaining that and I'm like, you know, like there's a really particular thing and, I, and a lot of it happened quite frankly after 2016 like when suddenly everything felt hard and I didn't want movies to put my face in dirt and rub it around that doesn't mean I don't like brutal stuff that doesn't mean I, I don't like watching somebody get decapitated but I don't want to watch that and expect to laugh at the like there's just such a particular I think different set of rules depending on what I'm watching and there is that and I think today I could probably handle sentimentality and horror much better than I could 10-15 years ago Uh, true truly and I think that that's why a lot of things that people have written off deserve to be revisited yeah sure because I don't think and and if something is competently made or something has vision, obviously this isn't the case for every piece of media that gets, you know, made, but if something, you know, is valid at the time and this maybe not well received, it might just be because it was not right for the zeitgeist at the time. Like we can then relook at it and go like, Oh, and that's where we get into that whole, Oh, it was ahead of its time. Sure. I think, that there's a chance that all these movies are telling their truth and that truth is valid, but sometimes not enough of us are ready to like embrace that truth. Yeah. <laughs> to not to be super corny about it, but like I think there's a like I think there's some weird like generational shit in Shocker that like and, and a reclamation. Mm. Like I don't want to spoil that movie for anybody, but it's a million years old. The general conceit is that the main protagonist's dad probably is the serial killer Mo- I, I think there's like a tiny bit of doubt but like let's just assume his his dad is the serial killer like the the end of the movie he's like i don't give a fuck i'm my own person yeah it's like jesus christ this was a movie <laughs> <laughs> now in 1990 yeah 
talk about ahead of its time. This person was just like, nah, I'm breaking this cycle. And it was so satisfying. So that's... I'll give it a revisit. I'm, you have convinced me. <laughs> I definitely think it's interesting and it's wild and it's zany and there is <laughs> dumb stuff in it, but it's very entertaining. Okay. Because it's, it's like new nightmare dumb. Yeah. And we all kind of re- realized we liked new nightmare somewhat recently. <laughs> I always did, but... Um, and then let's really take it out on a low note. Um, I watched A Quiet Place too. Um, <laughs> um, I have not yet. Uh, I didn't care that much for the first one, and I know most people seem to have hated the second one. But tell me how you felt about A Quiet Place too. It does not sound like you cared much for it. Hated the second one. Um, I... I try to like when I I try to manage the way I talk about things because I know we're not all the same. We don't have the same experiences. Um, but this movie is stupid and unredeemable <laughs> and bad. Um, and if you like it, like that's fine. It's clearly scratching some kind of itch for you. But like, we don't have that itch together. Like, we'll just there's have to a quiet this. place seems to be, and I'm trying. I feel like this happened with something else a few years ago. Where it's like, you know, it's a horror movie, without question. And it seems to be a horror movie for people that aren't horror fans. Because I don't know any horror fans that really liked The Quiet Places. But clearly, these movies are making money and enough other people seem to like them. Yes. So, you know, it, it, that is a thing. Like, oh, it's a, it's a this movie for people that don't like this movie. And I'm sure it was uh, probably like, I guarantee there was an interview somewhere with Emily Blunt saying like, well, I don't like horror, but I really cared about the character of this one or some, some stupid shit like that. Cause that's how all these movies are sold. And that, and that's totally fine. Like, but like the characters are bad. Everything's bad. And they um, don't, do they I'm, wear socks yet? Cause why don't they wear socks? Uh, Emily. So the first one, sorry, is bad. I don't like the first one. I think it's bad. But I get why people like it. I don't get why anybody would like the second one. Um, I really don't. Like, if you if you like it and you can explain it to me, please tell me. Because I, I was on Letterboxd, which is, you know, just fully where I do my movieing now. And there was a review and somebody said that this was neoconservative patriarchal horror. Mm. And, like, it is. Yeah. It is that. You can't tell me it's not. And you cannot tell me at this point in his career, I'm sorry, everyone, but Jim is not a good guy. I think he's <laughs> At the very least, I think he's xenophobic. I think he really, truly believes in old America and the good old days and, and American it's, ideals. Yeah, it's really weird because, uh, and I, do, I mean, I'm not overly familiar with John Krasinski other than I watched The Office for, you know, the 90 years it was on. But you're right, like, the fact that he did a Jack Ryan show and that he's in that 13 Hours Benghazi movie and that he's directed two films that, and, and in fairness to horror as a whole, a lot of horror, whether it's intended or not, ends up feeling that way. Like, the, oh, yeah. I mean, zombie movies and guns and gun ownership there is no zombie movie out there that doesn't basically say, oh, Americans should have guns to defend ourselves from zombies. And I don't think, you know, Romero, of all people, who was as liberal as, as any of us, I don't think he ever intended to be a pro-gun filmmaker. But, you know, the nature of these stories kind of says, like, well, if you had a gun, you'd be a little safer. Like, there, there's things like that embedded in horror, no matter what you 
do. Um, and I mean, John Carpenter has said as much with Halloween. He never meant to make a movie that said, if you have sex, you get punished. But it happened to happen and then spawn a whole, you know, several decades of such uh, ideas, if you will. Um, so there's something to like not intending to tell, send that message, but doing it anyway, because if you're telling, you know, a story involving monsters, well, somebody's got to have a gun and somebody's got to be able to do this. But it is kind of weird that he's done it again. And it's not even that. Like, yes, absolutely, there are monsters. But, but like, <laughs> please kill them. But this, <laughs> this is this is Emily Blunt's character um, is just a mom. And I, there's nothing wrong with being a mom. But this is the post-apocalypse. Like, fucking get it together a little bit. Yeah. And, also, and I'm sorry, but stop having babies in the post-apocalypse when they're going to cry. Guys, again, I'm so, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody. I'll stop listening to this show. I don't know why. You're <laughs> even... But the fact that, I, and I am pro cho- pro choice. I'm pro abortion, not even pro choice. Mm-hmm. The fact that they had this baby that is literally going yeah. to put this. Not a spoiler. This happened in the first movie. This baby is going to put everybody else's life in danger, yeah. especially the mother carrying it around. Yeah. And yet she continues to do this. Uh, great, I get and it. And a deaf it's, child who can't hear the baby? It's yeah. a post-apocalypse. You can, like, yeah, I want a baby. I want to propagate. But also, you're literally running for your lives. You're not starting a new society. Colony somewhere, yeah. So, like, this so this baby's life literally is worth more than every single grown adult's yeah. life? Ooh, That's yeah. some wild conservative shit. You, yeah, yeah. That's and ugly. The second one. So that's egregious, in my opinion, in the second one. Um, This weird, like, so this movie, ostensibly, is taking place currently, right? But, like, everything is, like, old-timey and, like, looks like the 50s and everything. (laughs) Like, at one point, they're in this, like, train station office, and I'm, like... And there's like a rotary phone or some shit. And I'm like, what are they trying to tell? They're telling me that they long for the good old days before yeah. everything went bad. And the good old days is the 50s. And this, like, it's it, it gross. Yeah. And it's just, and they hit you over the head with it. And I get if you don't catch it because it seems really innocent, but it's so obvious. There's these weird shots of American flags. And like any post 9 11 movie did that. Yeah. But, but this is not that. This is now saying something else, in my opinion. Oh, that's so ugly. The way that it treats black people is weird. God, now you're making me want to watch it just to see how offended I am. And I might be being, like, over it, like, too much with it. And I get, I get, like, if you heard me talk about it and you think that. But then on top of that, the movie's not good. And that, (laughs) that... is my problem so we were talking about geography a lot of the second movie hinges on them going from place to place mm-hmm. um like a lot of it but i had no idea how far away anything Ugh. was yeah. or like where people were in reference to each other or what was like where how long it would take somebody to get back to somewhere and there was like um Chekhov's everything like okay so when is that gonna pay when is that gonna be bad when is that gonna pay off and essentially the movie just reestablished what we learned in the first movie so i don't know why we had to do it again weird i don't know i look look i'm sorry i feel real bitchy about this no, you're <laughs> entitled to it 
Oh, it just made me upset. I'm just annoyed because now I have to watch this movie just so I see where I stand. I think I might hate John Krasinski. Like I, I, I watched that Jack Ryan show. I, I have a lot of time and nothing to watch. I watched the Jack Ryan show and it was so bad. Ugh, man. Ugh. Okay. So I... those are all my horror. Movies. All right. I, I am, I am going to watch this fucking movie. And, uh, what if I, Christine, what if I love it? I hope you love it. Oh, and then God. you can explain to me. You love know, it. Do we have I to like trust- stop the podcast? I don't know. No. I just, I feel like it might fundamentally alter things. If, if I, if I decide it's my favorite movie of all time, that's going to be dramatic. I would like you to explain to me what you see in it. Okay, I'm going to go into it like all bushy-tailed and bright-eyed and wish for the best. That's that. That's I will vow that. So I, I will get back to you on it. <laughs> Let me know. All right. So my horror list of what we didn't already talk about. Uh, one movie that would be a five-star movie for me that I think you should definitely watch. St. Maud. Have you seen it yet? Really? I'm scared to watch it. Okay, so um, I knew nothing about it. All I knew was that it was a big, like, festival hit, and it was streaming on Hulu, and I had a night, like, home where Brannon was out, so it was like, oh, I have, like, it's a Monday night, let me, like, I'm gonna watch something. Like, I'm gonna watch something, I'm gonna turn the lights out and watch something. And it's, like, under 90 minutes. It's, like, an hour 20. I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't really, okay, this is even better than I thought. But I knew nothing about it. I'm like, I just, so I sat down, turned it on, and that is the best way to watch it because it is very unusual. And mm-hmm. I like I almost don't want to say any more. It is weird. It is haunting. Um, lead actress is one of those movies, which has true, been true of a lot of recent horror, of this is all centered on this one young woman's skills and she's great. Um, it It is slow, but it's very short. So it's like, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, where are we going? This is, I don't, I don't know where we're going, but I feel really uncomfortable for, for much of this. And it has a bullet of an ending. And afterwards you are kind of thinking about a lot of things. So high recommend just, but okay. you want to watch it. It's I mean, again, it's short, but you want to watch it in one sitting. Cause I think it is tonally doing a lot of stuff and you really want to let yourself be taken in by it. I, I've been, I definitely been interested. I knew when it came out, yep. it has been on my radar, but like, I didn't want to be disappointed by it. Mm. And I, I, I hadn't gone in yet. Cause I hadn't felt like the push, Yeah, but it's a good push. All right. I'm pushing you. Watch Thank you. It. Okay. Um, a zombie movie on, I think it was Amazon prime. And this one I watched, and at first I didn't remember this movie. Like, I was going through my list, and I'm like, I have no idea what this movie was. I guess it wasn't that good. But it actually was good. I just, it was kind of not that memorable. The Night Eats the World. Uh, It's a good title. Yeah, and I think it's it's, it's set in Paris, but I can't remember if it was actually in French or English. uh, Because it's like, a dude is at a party, and the party ends, and turns out they're zombies. So he's, like, stuck in an apartment, and they're zombies. It's actually very similar in concept to the Korean film Alive. I think Alive was a bit, was a bit of a more engaging movie. Um, this one is pretty slow, but again, the way this one ends up playing is, oh my god, this is a pandemic movie. This is a I've been stuck in my stuck in my house for nine months and I haven't seen anybody, and oh, everything is interesting because I haven't had any contact. 
Um, again, I didn't love it. I, I didn't remember much of it, so it didn't make that much of an impression, but it was decent. Where did you watch it? Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually sounds like I crave movies like that sometimes, yeah. even if it's not like the best version of that. Yep. Like that is definitely like a, a genre that I really like. Give it a go. Give it a go. I'd be curious to see if you got more out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, on Hulu, watched a few Lou. Uh, one was Bad Hair. Did you see Bad <gasps> Hair? No. How was it? I, I really liked it. it. Um, it's a, it's an odd one. This is, it's, oh, and it's, I would call it a horror, I would call it a horror comedy because it feels, I, I don't think it was ever really trying to scare you. It's really trying to say a lot and make you think a lot. Uh, it's the same director who did, uh, Dear White People. So it's, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, it is very much about black women's hair and all that comes with that. Uh, it's set in the eighties, I think, which is cool. And it gets the aesthetic down, um, it was one I'm watching and I'm thinking like what what I really liked about it, but also made it hard to kind of for me to, I think, give any kind of a opinion or criticism of it was it felt like, oh, this is a, this is a movie made by black people about black people. And I am learning something in watching it because um, mm-hmm. it, it just felt very um, what's the word like in like, the conversations being had, the discussions about hair being had, like are all things that are very um, you know, they're, they're not in my daily conversations, but obviously people I know are having them. And it's really interesting to, like, <laughs> years ago, I got, I got my hair cut one day, and I was at this hair salon, and the woman cutting my hair was black, and next to me was a woman getting braids done. And it was this, like, we were, like, the, it was at the end of the night, like, so it's, like, I'm the only white person in this hair salon, and all the women were talking about weaves, and mm-hmm. it was fascinating because I'm sitting there and I have nothing to contribute. I this is I have never experienced this. I don't know anything about weaves, but these women are, are having these conversations about something that was like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know you go here to do this and it takes this many hours and you have to get this kind of hair and this. And it was just like one of those moments of realizing like just how how much culture is out there that we forget is out there because we are so because we live in a world that is very much white culture yeah um and so this movie was kind of felt like like a a a nice dip into that of it's telling a good story it's very engaging it's you know interesting visuals it's funny it's all of these things but it also feels really important because it feels like you're getting a story that you should hear more often i guess um, one that I would not recommend, also on Hulu, but it wasn't terrible. Phobias. Mm. This is a weird movie. So it is like the if you read the synopsis, it's like a bunch of people with phobias are being tested on by a crazy scientist. But what it actually is is an anthology, but it's not like it's multiple directors. The stories are sort of like it looks as if you're getting a different story each time with a title of a phobia, but that phobia isn't actually what the story is about each time. Um, it's it's odd. I don't like. I want to know more about the genesis of it. Was it was it? Hey, a bunch of filmmakers made shorts about things, and somebody decided to tie them together. Was it everybody got a you know got the script of okay, give us a film about a phobia, and here's the here's the tie-in story. What's weird about it is it's really well acted. 
all of the acting is great. Um, it doesn't look bad. Like some some of the visuals are really good, uh, and some of the individual moments and segments are well done. But when it's put together in this really stupid story, it just makes no sense at all, and you don't care. So, not a recommend. But like, if you but like the there's good filmmaking there. It's just, it's like if you had a good piece of pizza, and a good piece of birthday cake, and a good piece of um, fish, and then you put them in a blender. That's not it's good together. Good. No, no. But the individual segments are okay. So I don't know. It was weird. I don't recommend it. Um, let's see. One that you recommended to me on Shudder, The Cleansing Hour. Oh, yeah. Um, with our boyfriend, Kyle Gallner. Yeah, I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, I like this. I didn't love it. Uh, this is The Exorcism. It's a sort of a dude. It's actually the guy from Step Up 4. Um, so the guy from Step Up 4 is a, like, fake priest doing exorcisms. And they have a web show. And, of course, then it turns real. Um, I, I know it was him. I uh, he doesn't look at all like he did in Step Up 4. Mostly uh-huh. because, like, he's got long hair and is playing a priest. But I I don't know what it was. Like, I, I liked this. There were things about it that I really liked. But there was something holding me back from, like, the full thing. I don't know. Like, I, I was, at a certain point, I kind of checked out. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. I, I don't remember what it was that bothered me about it. Because I, I liked the idea of it, and I liked aspects of it and execution of it. It was just in the end, I was kind of underwhelmed. But that's, that's okay. okay. That's I'm trying okay. to find it on to look at it can, and jog my memory a yeah. little bit. Um, another, I don't think this was, this might have been Shudder. Um, <laughs> we watched the original 13 Ghosts. Not the oh, remake, okay. but the original one. I have seen the original. It makes it reframes the remake. Like if you've seen the remake first and then you watch the original, <laughs> which you're like oh, that, re- that remake's really weird, huh? Well, and also you're like, oh, that remake is a much better movie. Thirteen Ghosts is not good, <laughs> um, and I think it was. I think it's William Castle. I can't remember. Uh, I always would get it confused with what's the one. The other one that they remade, House on Haunted, not House on Haunted Hill, House on Haunted Hill? Wait. Haunted Hill House? No. The House on Haunted Hill. The one with Tay Diggs and Allie Larder and Jeffrey Rush and Famke Janssen. Yeah. That's House on Haunted Hill, right? Haunting, the House on Haunted Hill, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and 13 Ghosts, the, so the original was a William Castle, the remake was... Uh, I can't think of that film studio now. Dark something. Dark Skies? I don't remember. That doesn't sound right, but I'll say sure because I don't have a better idea. Um, but 13 Ghosts as a remake, I always liked the monster design. I don't think the movie holds together, but I think the monsters are cool. Um, so I figured like, oh, yeah, like Brandon wanted to watch 13 Ghosts. Cool, let's watch it. It's just not that good. It's weirdly yeah. paced. It has a bad, like... Characters don't make sense until you get the reveal, but even then, you're still like, wait, so, oh, okay, and then it ends. I don't know, not very good. Uh, Another older movie that is very good that I enjoy the hell out of, and I don't know if you've ever seen this. Um, What's his name? Is it Fulci? Yeah, Fulci's The New York Ripper. Oh, New York Ripper is like my favorite. It's so good. Oh my god, I loved it. Uh, So that's the thing about Fulci's 
um, Giallo is that he's actually he has something to say about sex and about attitudes towards sex. Mm-hmm. It's not just let me torture a woman. It's no, this man is torturing a woman because he hates women because blah 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 blah. Like it doesn't feel. I mean, and this one is pretty brutal, and this one has a lot of violence towards women and a lot of punishment of women. But it it's not like it feels like no no no. But it's it's fitting to what the killer is doing. It's not the movie isn't judging these women. The killer is judging these women. Um, I really dug it. Yeah, I haven't seen it in like probably 10 years but it definitely was special when I was going through a lot of those movies yeah because I think it man and I'm sure that like this is on the video nasty's list like obviously it is there's a woman tied up who's getting her nipples chopped off with a razor blade but yet it feels um shockingly not I, I don't know if I'd say sex positive but Like, there is a, one of the characters is a very wealthy, beautiful, sophisticated woman. Her husband is impotent, and their sex life is her going out and having sex with strangers, coming back and telling him about it. And, like, the detectives are judging them for it, but it doesn't feel like the movie or filmmaker are. Like, Like, she ends up in a bad situation because of these risks she takes. But it, and maybe it's just you're watching it from a 21st century sensibility, but it doesn't feel, um... It feels somehow progressive, even though she is ultimately punished for it. I don't feel like it is the filmmaker punishing her. I think it is the situation. I don't know. It, fascinating. Um, okay, a few on Amazon Prime that are also not very good. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. This is a movie that... Um, so, okay, this movie comes up. <laughs> I watched the movie Flight 666. I see the synopsis. It's about a, a ghost on a plane. Okay, that sounds fun. The movie starts and I see produced by the asylum. I'm like, oh shit. And then I start thinking, wait, what movie is this riffing on? I'm like, wait, it's not. It's an original. And you know what? It's not bad. It's low budget. Um, it is kind of dumb, but it takes itself seriously. It has a decent cast of actors who are clearly, like, every one of the actors shows up in other Asylum titles, so you get the sense that the director probably knows how to work with them. Um, They're all given their best. It has surprises. It actually has a good reveal. It is not scary. I don't want to sell it as a good horror film, because it's not. But it really, like, you can tell everybody was trying, and they had a challenge in front of them, which is, let's tell a ghost story on a plane, and they told that story, and I give them credit for that. Interesting. It sounds like it doesn't sound at all like this, but that other plain horror movie with the uh, Ryan Quanti, or however you say his name from True Blood. Well, <laughs> oh, I can't remember what that movie is, and I'm not going to look it up. Um, but it's on- Flight of the Living Dead, Quarantine Two. I'm trying to think of other horror movies set on a plane. And it's like directed by like a J horror director, I think, yeah. or maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. And I don't know because maybe he's just a Japanese man, and I was just said he's J horror director. <laughs> Either way, I, that that movie was on a plane and was surprisingly good. Yeah, I mean, I understand <laughs> why there aren't so good. <laughs> I get why there aren't more movies set on planes because it's got to be pretty hard to film because you have to build a set and it's kind of you then you are really limited in your angles and everything else but it's also a cool because like hey if you're on a plane you're stuck on a plane you have a certain time limit that you'd be on this plane you have things you can't do you cannot escape you're on a plane um so go for it like and then that's a good like 
restriction to put upon your movie, if you will. Um, so it was refreshing and different. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, similarly, this one was not not as good, but another kind of claustrophobic idea of a movie. Uh, also on Amazon Prime, Break, which is about a bunch of young people, and it's a Russian movie, who are going snow, I think they're actually snowboarding, and they're on uh, like the big tram that comes down the mountain. And of course, they're like the last ones of the night, and they convince the they bribe the guy to do it, and then the guy has a heart attack, and they get stuck in the middle of this, and there's nobody around, and there's no signal, so oh my god, they're gonna die, they're gonna freeze to death or not. Um, so kind of think like the movie Frozen, but instead of them being on a ski lift, they're on a tram of a it's ski lift. So the setup of Frozen too, which is like bribing somebody to let you do yep. something. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's the end of the night, you know, nobody knows. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's not that good. It does that thing where, like, immediately one character starts overreacting and you're like, okay, he's going to go crazy and try to attack everybody, and he does. And it's also, like, ugh, like there's, like, the one guy that doesn't get on the tram, so you're like, oh, he can save them. But he's, the movie doesn't treat him like the asshole it should treat him as because mm. he's, like, the boyfriend to the girl and she was going to dump him, but he was going to propose, and he gets really mad at her, and, like, you're like, oh, no, he's, she should dump him. Like, this is not a good relationship, but the movie doesn't agree with you on that, so, um, yeah, you know, if you are looking for a movie like that, you could do worse. It's not terrible. It's just not that great, and everybody overreacts way too quickly. Like, if they just waited there for a day, somebody would come and get them. <laughs> But they don't. So instead, they all die. Or several of them die. Um, All right. Another movie. I think this was also Amazon Prime. Um, This is just a fascinating movie because it's a lot of things going on at once. It's called Vile. And as soon as I say that name, you can probably picture a poster of, like, a dangling tooth. Like, yeah, it's that kind of movie. It's an early 2000s um, young people torture movie. Yeah. (laughs) Here is the crazy... Look, look this movie up and, and tell me, see if anything jumps out at you. Because I, like, pulled it up and I was going to watch him. Like, oh, Mackenzie Westmore is in it as, like, a small a small part. But then more importantly, directed by Taylor Sheridan, who did, um, oh, God, what's he, like, is now a person that directs, like, real movies. Um, he did Hell or High Water. Um, I think he did the... Uh, he did Wind River. So he's the writer on Sicario. Like, well-respected filmmaker. And I'm like, wait, he directed this? And then he read the IMDb trivia, and it's like, he directed, like, he refuses, he doesn't want to, like, call it his movie. Like, he had friends that had money and were like, we want to make a movie, so he d- did direct it, but, like, doesn't feel like he directed it, I guess. I don't know. Um, the concept of this movie, this is so early 2000s. Um, so a bunch of young people get, um, like, smoked by... 2011, by the way. So it's, like, too late to really be a Saw movie, but it's still trying. I'm looking at the the, the, the year on that and saying, like, oh, that doesn't No, like, right. maybe it was shelved for a while. Like, maybe it was filmed over a while and then released. I don't know. But the concept. Okay, these people are kidnapped and put in this house... Um, and it's a Saw 2 house completely. Like, this house is Saw 2. They all have things on their, like, necks, like, these these things that are going into their brain. Because it turns out if you um, get somebody really uh, in pain and scared, 
they release a hormone that you can use for something. I don't even remember what it is. I think it's like to get high, but I could be wrong about that. So these people have 24 hours to like torture each other to release enough of this hormone and then they'll be set free. So the movie is them like, okay, how am I going to torture you? There's a hot iron in the And like the house just has like a hot iron, a waffle maker, like all this stuff that they're supposed to torture each other with. It is the epitome of like, okay, remember in the early 2000s when we thought that's like what horror had to be? Like it is like to say torture porn, which was always a weird term because sometimes it felt very belittling to the genre. Sometimes it felt kind of politically offensive, like all this stuff. But this movie, like, no, no, this movie is literal torture porn. At one point, a character is like, wait, can't we just have sex? I think that's going to release the same stuff. And they're like, no, 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 we can't. No, that's gross. It's like, no, no, you could have done that. You could have just had sex with each other and not pulled each other's teeth out. (laughs) It's so stupid. I don't recommend it. But as a, like, if you are in that place where you're like, wait, how bad and how gross did early 2000s horror get? Like, this is just a good example of that. Why? It doesn't feel like this movie should exist. Right? You know how people say, like, this meeting could have been an email? This movie could have just been, like, a short discussion among friends, and then you can move on. You could not be more right about that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, that, that is great. Um, all right, the just a few more. One, another, a lot of these ones I watched on Amazon Prime, and now they have since left Amazon Prime, but they're all on, like, Tubi or somewhere else. Apparently, Amazon Prime is really shitty to its filmmaker, to, like, independent filmmakers. Big surprise. Uh, all right, so this one was called The Dinner Party. Um, also kind of a tortury movie, but from like five years ago, low budget as anything, but again, clearly made by people that, um, work in the genre and wanted to work together and tell this story. Uh, a young couple goes to a dinner party thrown by very wealthy people. It turns out they're luring people in and like murdering them and sacrificing them and eating them and all that. Um, it's real. This movie is almost two hours long, which is really inexcusable. Yeah, it's like an hour 50. It has no right to be an hour 50. And it does those... Multiple other things as well. Yeah, like, it does... Like, I'm thinking on it. I'm like, there are things I respected about it. Like, all of the cast are also, like, the costume designer and the editor. And one of the actors is also the filmmaker. And, like, and you can tell, like, this was really made out of like love and end enthusiasm like it really does again nobody is phoning anything in people are trying in this movie in every possible way but it's way too long it has interesting elements and then doesn't it does that thing where it starts in the middle and then doesn't for no good reason at all probably because it's two hours long and like and like the first you know um skinning of a human being doesn't happen until like 45 minutes in so they're trying to tell you it's going to be okay uh, it it tries to do something really empowering for women, which I appreciate. Um, but to get there, they also have to have a character like, oh, she has trauma because she was raped by her dad. Like you're like, yeah, you didn't need to do that. Like, um, yeah, like oh, there's one character who's like, uh, the reason she comes to these parties is because she's a lesbian and a necrophiliac because when she was a teenager her dad who was a mortician caught her about to have sex with a woman so instead he made her have sex with a dead body and what do you know now she likes dead bodies it's a it's a whole thing i'm not selling this movie and i don't really want to but it's not as bad as i'm making it sound 
Well, that's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> All right. Um, a better movie was on Amazon Prime, Dead Body. Uh, a good example of a movie made for $5. And again, a movie made where everybody knew they weren't getting anything out of it, but tried. Yeah. Uh, it's a bunch of teenagers, and I say teenagers in quotation marks because I really thought the joke was that it was like their high school reunion. I did not realize they were actually supposed to be 18-year-olds. Um, but so they are having a party, and they decide to play the game Dead Body. We're like, oh, you turn the lights off, one person's a dead body, and you got to figure out who did it. And of course, like, people are dying. So it is a slasher um, filmed, like, in the woods at night. And I thought the movie did some... It's the kind of thing where I'm like, I'm going to... Like, this filmmaker I'm going to see again. Because I think he understood what he could and couldn't show and did a good job of, um, like, kind, kind of working with his limitations. And a flip of the other movie, this movie also starts... The opening scene is a woman running away halfway through the movie so, but it works like it actually you're like oh no 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 that actually helps me during the movie because I in this case that was a clue that's helpful because I'm enjoying trying to figure it out so again not really good but if you appreciate like low budget horror with potential I would recommend it um also weirdly racist but anyway uh yeah. It does not understand how to work with Japanese people. But anyway. Um, all right. Two more horror films, then we'll take a break. Uh, the first one is on Hulu, and this was a recommend from our dear friend James. Um, look, you're going to make a movie called Killer Grandma. I'm going to watch Killer Grandma. It's about a killer grandma, Christine. I mean, I would hope it would deliver on the it promise. It delivers. So, Grandma, it's basically like the bad seed, but reversed, only it's about a grandma. Oh, that's 100% a movie that you would need to watch. Completely. And Grandma um, grandma gets out of a mental asylum, I think. Like, the movie doesn't... It's the, Again, this is one where, like, it's, clear, it's a Lifetime movie. You can see, you can tell the commercial cuts and everything. But, like, they rush some things and slow some things down. It, it do, hasn't made up a lot of decisions about it. It's, it, it's clearly changing its mind as it goes along. Because it's like, her, like, she gets out of this asylum and goes to visit her son, who's like, oh, hey, mom. And you're like, does, does he think she's a murderer? Or does he just not like her? And it's unclear. And then, of course, she murders, like, three people off the bat. It's great. Um, couldn't, yeah, I mean... It's a high recommendation. It's terrible. I loved it. I hope they do a sequel. The last film I'll mention, which actually is a good segue, because Killer Grandma is all about, you know, an old woman who's who's also, like, kind of hot. So there's that. But, you know, there's also, you know, ageism. Um, the most, this, I, I would, it's a horror movie because it's on Shudder, and it's directed by George Romero, and it gave me nightmares. It's the amusement park. I didn't watch it. it was it good? It fucked me it fucked with me i watched it like i knew enough about it like i knew what it was about and this is in between night of the living dead and dawn george romero was still you know doing jobs to pay for hire as a filmmaker and documentarian and everything and like the lutheran church of pittsburgh commissioned him to make a film about ageism and elder abuse and he makes this fucking film and it's this old man is in a you know opens and he's in a room with this other old man and one of them is very very well dressed and the other one is all beaten up and the beaten up man says don't go out there there's nothing for you and the 
well-dressed man says, oh, no, I'm going to go out and see the world. And he does. And the world is a horrible place for old people, Christine. I don't want to get old. I am terrified. Can we stop getting old? I feel like I was like, I'm going to skip this. And I think I was smart. I know what I know where I live. (laughs) I don't need to. Like, I don't need to chat. Like, I remember there was a point, and I think a lot of us around the same time were like, I don't need to challenge myself. Like, <laughs> like I don't need to make myself uncomfortable or sad or depressed yeah. or trigger myself, essentially, by watching difficult movies. Um, I think I know, my, not, mine's not necessarily skinning a person or like, or like leaving somebody in a hole. Sure. Those aren't really my triggers. But then, this feels a little bit too much for me. <laughs> It's it's a lot. It yeah. I mean, it, it, it's George Romero style of hey, I have a metaphor. I am going to be really obvious about it, but I'm also going to do it in a weird fucking way. And he does. Like, there's a scene where there's these you know this old couple gets into a bumper car accident, and there's an insurance claim. Like, and it's it it's very um, it's surreal, and it's not something I'd really seen George Romero do. Um, and it's, it's fast, like everything about it's fascinating. And I know, um, you know, I, f- I forget, it's not just Shudder, but the other company that did, it was Arrow that did all the work in restoring this movie. It's, I, I love that this movie was rescued from the archives and put out there. I wish it happened when George Romero was still alive. Cause I really would have loved to see him discuss this movie. Um, I hope he was proud of it. Like, I hope he, cause I would be like, this was really upsetting, in a way that um, kind of did shake me. And I was, I I knew what people said about it, but I wasn't expecting to have such a visceral, visceral reaction to it. So I do recommend it, but not if you don't want to feel that way. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think it's a pass for me. Fair. Very fair. All right. So why don't we take a break and come back and wrap up with everything else? When you see the shape the world is in, when the way it is ain't what it's been, when folks just can't for gold, thank God I'm old. When you take a gander at the news, when you hear the language people use, when no sweet songs are sung, I don't want to be young. Daddy time he does. And we are back. Uh, to tackle a couple of other genres, including sci-fi, action, fantasy, adventure, whatever you have it. That, that you know, that that section of the video store. Yes. Um, I think we both saw a major release that fits this category. Did we? Uh, what? Black Widow? Oh, yeah, I saw Black Widow. Okay, okay, I did too. Uh, tell me what you thought about Black Widow. Uh, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fine. I think that it was uh, a little obnoxious how they had to keep referencing the other movies, um, <laughs> like like a lot, a lot. And um, I think that this movie would have made a lot more sense if it hadn't been made after we knew she already died. I just feel yeah. like it was it was a it m- might have been a fine outing. But for me, it was consistently and constantly undercut by the fact that it it was a prequel when it never had to be. It could have just been a movie, and it 
it kept it kept reminding me of Hawkeye. Somebody I don't want to think right? about. Right? Yeah. Especially the ending. We were like, oh, oh, that's what the next thing's going to be about? Like, I don't... Of all the characters... Like, there's a reason this is the last character to have gotten... Like, that that character would have been the only yeah. one without a movie. Like, because who cares? Yeah. And I thought Florence was... Florence is never, never bad. Ever. I think Florence Pugh is probably one of the best... Oh, God, uh, yeah young actors working um and she was in fighting with my family so she we, yep. we we have precedence for how physical she can be and i think her physicality is really impressive and i think she's fun to watch oh god uh, i can't imagine this movie without her no and when you put her next to scarlett johansson it really highlights all the problems i have with scarlett as mm. the choice for black widow i don't think it was a very smart choice um but it's a, it's what they have and honestly the the amount of of Black Widow stands that are just like Scarlett Johansson avatars and and like I get it people really latched onto it but as someone who has read comics and who doesn't watch superhero movies I just don't get that choice it seems really strange and through a lot of this movie she didn't look healthy and it made me sad yeah I I, I could see that I think I mean the I, there were a few problems I had with it, like, right at yeah. the bat. And one was, yeah, the whole, I don't mind watching, like, an out-of-time or prequel or anything like that, but you're watching a movie where the entire time you're saying, well, I know she's going to live because I know how she dies. Yeah. So any scene of putting her in danger has zero suspense whatsoever because I know she's going to make it. Then you have the whole, and this is all, you know, sometimes an issue, but sometimes not. I mean, Rogue One is a prequel of a story that we kind of know that has stakes that we know how they end, but it's still really involving. Whereas this, like, the overall, I now a few, like a week after it, I can't tell you what the overall danger was. Like, was it nuclear war? I don't remember. It didn't matter, and it didn't even matter when I was watching it, because I knew uh, we're still, like, three years away from the snap. So whatever happens in this movie means nothing. It's incredibly surface level. Yeah, the the, the things, the other thing that I really didn't like, and I know this is, look, this movie is made to be a big, you know, IMAX uh, action sell toys movie. I hated every one of the action sequences that wasn't just a hand-to-hand fight. <laughs> um, because, like what's that? They look like cartoons? They look, I thought- well, I mean, the, the last one was, to me, I'm like, oh, they fly now. This is them flying. They fly. There is no, there is nothing, there are no human stakes to everybody being able to jump out of a plane and land on their target without any bodily harm. And what's really disappointing about that is, like, the, the coolest thing about Black Widow um, in this Marvel universe, to me, is, I mean, not, I mean, part of it is that, like, oh, yes, it's the only female character we have. But the other part is that it's the only human being, her and, her and Hawkeye. Right, mm-hmm. so I always go back to my favorite moment in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series, in season seven, um, when, spoiler alert, season seven, Dawn figures out that she is not a potential slayer, and she's sad about that, and Xander says to her, it, they will never know how much, strong, how much strength it takes to fight when you are not a superhero. Like, mm-hmm. just this idea that, yes, you have werewolves, and you have slayers and witches, and they're brave, and they're powerful, and they're important, but we're not that, and we're still fighting the same fight. And damn it, that makes us pretty fucking badass. And that's what Black Widow is. 
like she is fighting alongside the Hulk and a god and a super soldier and she is just a really well-trained person and yet in this movie which makes points about that in the beginning when they show her bruises and Florence Pugh makes a comment about that of how you have to you know the Hulk doesn't pump ibuprofen after a fight but you do but the movie doesn't believe that and doesn't says now just have her fly in the end and it's like you had an opportunity here the one other thing that really bothered me, because there are things I really liked about it, um, is, like, there's always the question of collateral damage in these movies, right? Um, some of which was was addressed, right? Um, civil, oh, is it Civil War or Ultron, Ultron, I guess, which is about the aftermath of what happens when gods come down and fight and there are humans, at, you know, in the crossfire. Like, the prison break scene? Everybody fucking dies, right? There's no way anybody survives that. Oh, for sure, fully. And yeah. I said that. But, but, I mean, it's a prison. So I guess they should all die then, I, like, right? That's, like, and I, I mean, give them credit for, like, establishing that the guards are corrupt. So I'm not supposed to feel bad for them, I guess. But, like, they all have to fucking die, right? Like, there's an avalanche. They cause an avalanche. It kills thousands of people. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I, I don't know. I definitely see something there with it being an acceptable loss because they're all criminals and that, and thus the, the, the universal understanding that anybody in a prison is a criminal um, and not worthy of any type of redemption. Uh, that, that seems to be Disney's shit. Right. If you've noticed, um, Disney doesn't believe you deserve to be redeemed. The only way you can be redeemed is if you fucking die as evidenced by the woman, the titular character yeah, in this fucking That's movie. very true. You know, yeah. So Black Widow did some shit. We've always known she did some shit. Guess what? We find out the extent of the shit she did. You know how we make sure everything's okay? We kill her. Yeah. She dies. Yeah. Oh, so and it's a bummer because there were other things about this that I did. Abs- like, I enjoyed watching it. I did check out during the last, fin- the big finale. But all of the human stuff, all of the family table, all of the, all, everything Florence Pugh did, like, there was a lot there. And it's, you know, the script um, was in part by Jack Schaefer, who wrote Timer, who did WandaVision, who I'm a huge fan of, and I was excited for her to keep getting big, big work. And I think you could see, like, you could kind of hear elements of her in the writing here and there. Um, Overall, I did enjoy it more than I have a lot of the other Marvel stuff. Um, like, and again, like I, like I would probably have done like three out of five stars if I was reading it. Cause I did enjoy a lot of it. Um, but the more time away from it, I think too, the more I start to think about the things that didn't work. And there was a lot that didn't work that, that could have worked and could have been great if it was done better. Yeah. I gave it two and a half stars. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're a uh, little, yeah, little below me. I didn't like it. Um, there's a couple of runs on Black Widow, like the comics that are actually decent. She's never been one of my favorites, but um, they failed to capture a lot of the, of anything that made her interesting. The only character I liked and thought any of the humor worked with was Florence. I didn't like the Rachel Vice character at all. I thought the, the bit with the pig was awful. It made me deeply upset mm-hmm. and it's unnecessary there was fat phobia in it i know that there's been arguments about whether mm-hmm. it was really fat phobic it is um disney is trash disney hurts me disney is bad and i i do not understand why people refuse to see it like it's 
you can like the thing and you can you can like it again fan service if you were serviced by this movie and you like it that's fantastic but we need to all acknowledge that maybe this giant mega corporation doesn't have our best interests at heart and that there is power to stories who we give a voice to who we show empathy to and that these movies cannot be the singular source of that information I, and I think the challenge is it's really hard to escape it. Yeah. Um, you know. We're going to talk about TV. Yeah. And I have shit to talk about TV-wise. And I get it. I hear myself. I know who I am. I see the, the Last Jedi poster on my wall. I know what I'm yeah. saying. I get it. But what, what I'm also very aware of the, the failings, the fallibility. Mm. I'm not just going to take what they give me and assume that it's good or the best, or has my best interests. It's it's not it's not good. They're not a good company. Right. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Like let's let's be fucking real, everybody. And I'm not attacking you. You like Disney. You like to go to Disneyland. You're a Disney gay. You're one of those women that has ears for every thing. You're you're a hot dude with a bunch of Disney tattoos. I'm not attacking you. You can like what you like, but we all have to have a moment to understand what this company currently is. Sure. Because it's not going anywhere, so. No! And it's, like, it's so frustrating because I've lost friends about this. Like, I'm not trying to hurt you. And I get that it's, like, it's been so ubiquitous most of our lives that, like, yeah, it is people's personalities. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm not attacking you or your personality. It's just, like, we all have to be honest with ourselves. I think there's always the questioning element, right? There's... And that's true of anything. Like, you can enjoy... We we were talking about this because of... um, Oh, in part because of Cosby stuff, right? Like, you you know, there you could say, I never want to watch Cosby again. Good, don't watch Cosby again. You, I never want to give support to the man. Of course you don't want to give support to him. Don't give support to the man. Um, But I recognize the show was this. No, no, you can't do that. Well, no, I'm going to recognize that the show was really important in a lot of ways. I'm going to say that that this show was funny and he was a good performer. Oh, no, yeah. you can't. Like, well, I mean, I like, and it's very, um, to me, it always comes down to, and like, again, everybody has a different stance on everything. There are people that want to say, no, I can never, once a, a company or a, an entity has crossed the line, I'm done with them. I respect that. I don't always have that restraint. Um, but I also feel for me, I just always need to acknowledge it. So Rosemary's yeah. Baby is one of the most important movies ever made. It is one of the best genre movies ever made. I will never mention that movie or watch that movie without also saying, and it features a rape and is about a man who also committed a very similar rape. It, it like it, It's all, you know, process it however you need to. Um, but I think ignorance is, is, a, is the one thing I might judge. You could say, oh, I don't, I, you know, I understand what would... Disney is doing or Amazon is doing and I don't care but please at least understand what they're doing or or don't okay. not listen to when people want to t- want to say but do you know about this and the yeah just just don't listen yeah yes if you if you just acknowledge that that some people are saying oh they're they're trying to reinforce stereotypical or traditional family values and they're fat phobic like just listen when people say this if it didn't bother you you should at least it, yeah. Like be aware of the potential insidiousness that's being slipped in. Sure. Yeah. That's all. That's all. <laughs> like, I, and you're completely right. Like everybody at the end of the day, 
if you if you still can sit down and watch Jeepers Creepers, I don't know if we're gonna be friends. But like, if you if you refuse to acknowledge yeah. what what those movies, that filmmaker, that franchise represents, mm-hmm. then we're donezo. Like, it's just it's like you have to you have to you can't live in the dark. Yeah. We're especially in the internet age where we're all connected. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not in, not in this time. Like when you when you are working to not know. That's yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. You've now you've now it's now flipped. Yeah. Whereas you had to really work hard to find this information. Now you have to kind of work to not acknowledge it. Yep. yep. And that's it. Agreed. I can't wait to talk about TV. We're not. Okay, so um, other sci-fi action. Do you have more? I have two more. I have some more, yeah. Okay. I'll go fast. Go for it. Um, so I will mention this one because I actually, um, I rated it kind of high and kind of enjoyed it. It's um, a movie I'm trying to click into that I can't. Uh, oh, it, there it is. It's called Red Planet. Um, and it's from the year 2000. And it's uh, Carrie Ann Moss. I think uh, you mentioned this last time. Is it I, streaming I, somewhere? I don't know, but if I mentioned it last time, everybody, I've thought of this movie, like, once a week since I watched it, so everyone should watch it. It's uh, Carrie Ann Moss, and it's weird and on Mars, and I love it. Nice. Uh, so never mind. Let's skip that. Did I talk about 222? No. So 222 is a movie I watched because it's got that hot dude that's in The Flight Attendant, and also... Um, the oh um uh game of thrones dario he's dario in game of thrones oh is he Mi- okay. michael Huseman. yeah right he like, was he was on a uh, hill house also right yeah yeah, yeah yeah he's okay. the eldest son yeah um he i just this uh, he's so hot it's, but, it's, um, you know what's funny i like i think he's handsome I but I have heard other people like say what you're saying where they're like, oh, he's he's got it, and I do not get that. And he was cast as Dario Naris on Game of Thrones, and that character is supposed to be like the hottest man in the world. And like, yeah. it's one of those things where I'm just like, I feel like in Ghostbusters when everybody is like drooling over Chris Hemsworth and Melissa McCarthy's like, I don't get it. No, what? I don't get it. Like, that's what I feel like with this guy. Like, he's good looking. But but like, uh, like the raw sex appeal that other people get from him, I just do not get. I I really got it in The Flight Attendant, which is, okay. which is strange. That show is good. And I like that show a lot. Um, so I, this has Teresa Palmer, Palmer in it as well who I am over the moon for. Um, so I was like, okay, it's from 2017. It's got this guy that I like to look at and this woman that I think is just magnetic beyond belief. So let's watch it. Oh boy. I, oh boy, I didn't like this. Um, it's a man's life is derailed when an ominous pattern of events repeats itself in exactly the same manner every day, ending at precisely 2.22 p.m. That's the... Which is a sounds like a good premise. It it is, but it's really convoluted, mm. and it's it's very um, self-aggrandizing, and it's this very simple, like cool premise that actually is ends up being kind of like about reincarnation, um, but it it's handled really weirdly, and um, I cannot recommend it. But if you do like these weird like premonition movies, like I. That's why I watched it because it's 
I was like, oh, imagine if it's like Knowing, the Nick Cage mm, movie. Yeah. But like, but like good. <laughs> that movie is, like overtly bad. There's like but, half like, of that movie is really good. Yeah, like what if it's like really like serious and well done and contemplative and like cool, but it's not. I didn't think so. Okay. So that's not a recommend. Um, Zach had never seen Blast from the Past, and that is a movie that I used to watch. Constantly. I have never watched that beginning to end. I have seen large oh. chunks of it. I've never sat down and watched it. Brandon really loves it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I really think I low-key loved Alicia Silverstone and just really never came to terms oh, with she it. She was such a, a, like, a charming, great timing of a comedic actress at that era. Yeah. Yeah. She's great in this. Great. And I love, I if you had said to me, oh, Christine, you love fish out of water stuff, I'd be like, no, no, no. But I really think I'm, I like, I'm aware of it now. Like, I really like fish out of water mm-hmm. stuff. Well, and Brendan and, Fraser is also, oh. when he's charming, he is completely charming and if this is so good there's a scene in this if you've seen bits and pieces of it when they go dancing um and dave foley is also in this is like the gay friend but like where they go like dancing and this is when like swing dancing was, like, oh a thing yeah it was so the swing dancing scene <laughs> hey hey millennials sit back and let me tell you about the <laughs> 90s when for a really brief period of time we thought swing was gonna come back we, it, we did it big, everyone. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, Brendan Fraser, for me, is never more charismatic or more handsome than he is in that, that nice. swing dancing club scene. Um, but it was fun. I had never seen it as an adult. And mm. I think it's streamed somewhere. But, like, I really liked it. It's, it's actually, it's a phenomenal movie, I think. Nice. It's really interesting, too, because it deals with, like, you know, like, displacement and, like, like again like re-emerging into a new time yeah, and reacting yeah, culture to changes it. and such yeah. yeah it's really cool um on paramount plus they had the movie infinite which is a mark Wahlberg movie oh god it does not sound good well i didn't like it i re- it, it's antoine fuqua which okay again like i'm not gonna watch a movie just because it's his movie but like there were things here like i was like okay why not? Oh, it's a past life movie. It's a past life oh, movie. Chiwetel Ejiofor. It's a good cast. Yes. Jason Mantezukis. Toby Jones. This cast yep. is ridiculous. The cast is amazing. Dylan O'Brien is in it. So Dylan O'Brien is, for me, like the guy. Like I think, I think he's great. And I can't. Oh, he's the Maze Runner, right? Yeah, he's the Maze Runner. He's he was in Love and Monsters too, and and like. He eleva- in my opinion, he elevated those movies. Mm. Like he's a really he's a watchable actor who's also good. And sometimes it's tough to get both of those. Yes. But like he's barely in this and mm. this movie is just fully Mark Wahlberg. Like Oh. Yeah, and, I'm good. And it's not he's not good. And this is this is a past lives thing that should have been way more interesting than it was. It reminded me a lot of Gemini Man. Which but, I've never seen, but not, not good. But not good, as opposed to Gemini Man. <laughs> Which I mean, at least I think Gemini Man was at least interesting. Um, and we said action too, right? Yes. Those were my sci-fi kind of okay. Out. Um. All right, all right. There's there's something on here worth talking about. Um, I watched the uh, Paul W. Anderson Three Musketeers. Okay, which I've never seen, but I feel like you're a big fan of. You you really liked this, right? 
I loved it. Fascinating. It was so good. Mila is so good in it. Nice. Everybody's so good in it. Talk about a cast. Yikes, this cast. This cast. Everybody is so good in it. Everybody's chewing scenery. And I don't want to blow minds, but I think The Three Musketeers might be one of the best stories ever told. Okay. Um, it's about, like, an outsider being completely, like, accepted into a group. And, like, it's really refreshing that there's not any of that, like, well, we don't know if you're... No, come on. You're going to help us and fight with us for right, for good. It's really good. Oh, I that love is a good, it. That is a good cast. I'm looking. You've got Till Schweiger, um, Luke Evans, Ray Stevenson. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like a who's... Mads is a mess. Yes. Wow. He wears like a big fur coat. It's Ooh. so weird. I'm into it. I'm into it. You know how we all kind of went like, oh, Jupiter Ascending is like kind of weird and kind of good. And it, I thought it was. This is the same thing in my opinion. Fascinating. Like, what is this weird ass movie? Yeah. Um, I liked it. I watched um, that Angelina Jolie movie, the Those Who Wish Me Dead. Okay. Like fire movie. Any good? Um, so I really didn't like it. I was very um, unimpressed um, by it. Uh, I think James, friend James, mm-hmm. um, liked it. Okay. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly. So because some somebody I trust, like I really trust, liked oh, yeah. it. I definitely do. I can't write it off. Like there's obviously there's stuff something there. there. Yeah, just maybe but not for not you. for me. Yeah, okay. I didn't. I was very lukewarm on it. Got um, it. And let's see, I watched Miss Congeniality 2, not as good as the first yeah. one, but still good. Uh, and then uh, Gunpowder Milkshake, I watched that. My mom keeps telling me to watch it, so I will watch it for her. What did you think? I thought it could have been a lot better. Ah, that's a shame. Um, but it was still okay. Okay. Like, it was still fine. I still had a good time watching it. Uh, Karen Gillan is, for me... The reason I'm going to show up. Mm-hmm, uh, sure. That, that little girl in it that was in that uh, spy movie with Dave Batista is in it. And I really, I think she's great and she's fun to watch. Like, there's so much there, but it didn't, the story didn't fully connect for me. Mm-hmm, got it. But it, it's it's a visual, it's fun visually. Okay. I, I will probably get to it by the next time we talk. Yeah. And those are, that's it for those for me. All right, the only other things that fit this category for me, uh, on Netflix, I watched the movie Awake, which, so I forget who directed it. Um, the cons- It's funny, I much like A Quiet Place, I thought this movie was based on a book that I read that had the same premise, but it's not. So the concept of Awake is that something has happened, there's like an electrical surge, and nobody can go to sleep. Um, oh, I saw this trailer, and yeah. I was curious if I should watch it. Uh, oh, yeah. It's not terrible. I think the problem was it's a really good concept, and I read a book called Sleepover. I think it was um, – I forget the author's name, but it was – if you look it up, it's, it's a good read. It's called Sleepover. Not not the best written book, I think, and I think it was like a self-published book, but it's the same concept, but it's done like World War Z style where it's told from different – times during like and in the book it's a plague where nobody can sleep and it's over the course of a few months how eventually they, they fix it but for months millions of people die the power goes out planes can't fly like what happens if you cannot sleep 
because that means nobody can be trusted with machinery. Nobody can be, you know, you're not making decisions. Some people just go into zombie mode and like all of this stuff. So great concept, rich concept. Read the book. Um, Awake is, it's Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez? Yeah, for some reason, I always want to say Gina Torres instead of Gina Rodriguez. Two very (laughs) different actresses. They just have the same first name, and I get them confused. No reason to do that. Um, She's a mom. She's a former soldier and former addict, and she's got two kids, and this happens, and she's got to protect her. And one of her kids can sleep, which is like, oh, that means we should, you're the answer to our problems, except... um, Gina Rodriguez is used to work for like Jennifer Jason Lee, super evil doctor, and knows that, oh no, they're going to torture you and like pull your blood and do all this terrible stuff. So I can't, you know, blah, blah. Um, so basically, nobody can sleep. They're trying to get from point A to point B, trying to escape people. Prisoners get loose. Like, uh, it. <sighs> It's a it shame. It feels like a really squandered um, it's premise. It's a completely squandered premise. Completely. 100%. Because yeah. it's such it's a, a good premise. It, And it's like an upsetting premise, right? Because imagine it. And there are moments that are done well. Like, there's a moment where she, like, she has to, like, get a code, like a four-digit code. And she knows, and the movie has told us that, hey, you know what? You know what gets really hard when you can't sleep? Memory. So yeah. she keeps saying it out loud and saying it out loud. And you hear her saying it wrong and saying it wrong. But then she gets to the door and she types it incorrectly. So it's like, ugh, even like the little things you're not doing right. Like, I I cannot recommend this movie and it upsets me because I also like would say like, oh, but the, if the concept sounds that good to you, then sure, watch the movie. But I, I'd love for somebody to just take the same exact concept and just make a different movie of it. Because <laughs> mm. there's a better story to be told. That's a bummer. Yeah. And then the last one that kind of falls here. Um, I don't know where it falls, but I'll put it here. Um, this so I was going to skip this movie because I've th- this is a case of like per- like we all have those different like filmmakers and authors and storytellers that we outgrow in a way. <laughs> um, yeah. And so for me, and suddenly like so much so that I can't even remember this guy's name. Um, what the hell? It is Charlie. I say as I go, and Charlie Kaufman, because I was going very slowly on IMDb. Charlie Kaufman. Oh, did you watch that one movie? I'm thinking of ending things. I really want to watch this because I feel like it could be really good, but I'm also really disappointed that, it, or really concerned that it's not going to be good, and then I'll be disappointed. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say, because this is, I did that thing that I know I should never do, but I wanted to do it in this case, because I was going to skip this movie, because if you, like... You the it just seemed because Charlie Kaufman did wrote being John Malkovich, like mm-hmm. was that was that filmmaker that I was like oh he's so his voice and everything, and then I watch enough stuff and I'm like, but I think he kind of has a weird thing with women. Like I think he's one of those guys that's just you know like all of his stuff is very um, or a lot of it rather like so, uh, Synecdoche, New York, Eternal Sunshine, like. Yes, men are the victims. Uh, the yeah, victims it's like, oh, there's yes. all these women are so wacky and we can't understand them. But here's this really boring, unexciting, you know, I mean, John Cusack and being John Malkovich character, right? It's like that yeah, epitome. Men. Right, and the story is, it's his story. Every time it's his story. And I'm thinking of ending things is like 100% that because that is the the... the and I like to say any more gives away a lot, but like, oh no, this movie is entirely that, 
which is why I didn't want to watch it at first. But then I read the, a friend convinced me to read the book and I'm like, Oh, Oh, this could be transformative because this, this is about that. Like, and, and both the movie and the book are about that idea of being an unexceptional man and what it means to be with a woman. Hmm. Um, I still do you don't recommend the book. <sighs> I do. I would probably suggest you do the reverse of what I did and you watch the movie first and then read the book. Okay. Um, this, although having said that, like the problem is I read, I, so I didn't know anything about it and I read the book and it, the book is weird and scary and surprising because it just, um, it's a very unusual book and like the storytelling is odd. It gets really tense and you don't under like you, the, you know who is telling this story like there's so much going on in the storytelling which is why I think like you as a writer should read it because I think you'd have a really interesting point of view on it mm-hmm. the movie the so I watched the movie obviously reading the book so I knew stuff that happened and one of the problems is watching the movie I thought oh but it's obvious like to me the movie shows its hand very quickly I don't know if it intended to do that or if you know or if or if I only saw it because I did read the book to me watching the movie I was like oh how would anybody not see some of these things um but it's I don't know it's it's worth like I I don't know if I think it's good um I thought it was a really interesting exercise to do Mm -hmm. um so I think there is something to get out of it and i but I don't want to say any more until you watch it or, and or okay. read it because I don't want to sway one way or another. So next, when you get to it, I will go more into where I land on it. Okay, yeah, I'm. I definitely was interested in it. Um, I I saw the trailer before I realized what it was, and then once I realized what it was, I was like, oh, right. Because for <laughs> me, Schenectady was the big, like Schenectady was a bridge too far for me. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> So, like, then I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But I am still interested. Mm-hmm. And then when you present it as kind of like a an exercise, I'm, that's always something I'm yeah. really going to be interested in. Because it's a hard <laughs> book to it. Like, reading that book, I was like, wow, how would you adapt this? Because there's a lot of things that make it very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I was like, I'm not surprised, though, that Charlie Kaufman would want to. Because it feels fitting to his sensibilities in, in some ways in that way. But and I don't know if he got it or not, so I don't know. I, I want you to go through them and, and then come back to me. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. In drama, I have three dramas. Do you have dramas? Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I'm very funny. Um, let me look real quick. Oh, I do have. Um... Okay. Yeah, I have something to mention here. Um. So. I will just talk about this, I guess. So I watched a movie called Judy and Punch. I think I have heard it's, of it. Tell me more. It's about those puppets. Oh. <laughs> those Punch and Judy puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, it is directed by a lady mm. and um, maybe co-written. I don't know. I can't see written very easily. Um, and it's uh, Mia... Folks. Wasp- Wasikowska? Oh. I don't know how to say her name. 
Did I did I ever tell you that story where I was in the car listening to NPR and they had an uh, an interview with somebody and I was like, wow, I she's really great. What movie are they talking about? Who is this? And they kept saying her name over and over again. And I was like, Who is this? Who is this? This sounds great. And it's actually Mia, last name I don't know how to say, who's in Judy everything. Yeah, but she she's in. She's in the Alice in Wonderland's movie. movie oh, yeah. Stoker. Yep. And, but she was talking about the movie Tracks that actually is about, with Adam Driver. I've never seen it. But um, I, I don't I, – I am shocked by how her name is actually pronounced, and I don't know what it is. But anyways, <laughs> she's the female lead of this movie. And it's basically like a, um, a, a historically inaccurate, but like historically placed in time, but not accurate okay. at all. It. But it's it's um about the 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 man and the woman who made the puppeteering dolls, of yeah. these puppets popular, and um yeah, it's like really feminist and really aggressive and um really funny and kind of mean and a little dark. Mm. Um, I liked it. I think it could have been better for me. Like it could have been the perfect movie, and it okay. wasn't. It was just a movie, but it was really good, and I think Mia did a really fantastic job. Like she's she's really she elevates it um, into this really empathetic, like really like rich place, and um, it it deals with like the outcasts of this town too, and that they are viewed as like witches and people to be hung and attacked, and all they are are just different. and And I really I will always like that actual. Um, recognition of what happened historically sure (laughs) so like i liked it but like it definitely could have been better it could have been it could have been paced better um it was filmed fine but the blacks were too black the dark it was hard to see anything and that's never fun sure but like uh i write i do recommend it okay i'm intrigued i'll look it up it's on hulu hulu it's on hulu yeah i forget what we watched it but um i liked it enough yes. um and i think that's it for we will rewatch phone booth but <laughs> um i am really curious if you i feel like weirdly this is like a, one of those random movies that you would have watched as a kid uh reversal what? of fortune no what okay oh it just seemed like the kind of movie that like the, like so random that you would have like, had a childhood experience with it um so reversal of fortune is the movie that jeremy irons infamously won his oscar for but when he accepted the oscar he thanked david cronenberg because he thought he should have won for dead ringers oh weird it is a real life it is uh i forget who made it um director who made other stuff but not like not an overly named director it is based on a true story of this man who was married to a very wealthy woman who's played by glenn close and she ends up in a coma it all signs have pointed to him as having tried to kill her his mm-hmm. her two children um hired an like in, a private investigator to basically gather evidence and bring it to the cops and he was arrested and went on trial and found guilty and then in real life and this is very very much i think pretty accurate he went to alan dershowitz and said you know i'm i'm innocent defend me and alan dershowitz who um you know has a long storied career in um trial law who looked at it and said well this was unconstitutional that even if you did it you should like you cannot hire a private investigator 
to do this evidence. Like this was unjust and could set a very dangerous precedent where the wealthy just get to pay for their cases, basically. So it is a court movie. Um, it's done. It's it's an interesting way of telling the story because it's like narrated by Glenn Close, who's in a coma. And in real life, this woman was in a coma for 28 years after this movie came out, which is crazy. Um, and nobody ever found out if he actually did it or not. It's not the movie doesn't really make a, a decision. Um, Alan Dershowitz, the entire movie is like, I don't I don't like you. I think you might have killed your wife, but that's but my job is to, to defend you because you were unjustly convicted of it. So it's very interesting, and Jeremy Irons is great. He's playing it as, you know, a very wealthy, very unlikable man. Um, there's a lot of before-they-were-famous people that pop up in there, like um, Felicity Huffman has a small part. Um, I forget who... Uh, not, is it, not Mercedes Rule. Who do I always get with... Oh, Annabelle Sciorra is in it. Like, it's a good cast. It's a good court movie. It's a good law movie. Like, if you ever enjoy those kind of legal stories. You know that I love that. I feel like you would really like this movie. What? Where did you watch it? We rented the disc from Netflix. Oh, <laughs> because okay. we are 95 years old in our hearts. No, no. I mean, that's smart. There's so many things that it's just easier to get that way. Yeah, yeah. But, it, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's out there. It's... uh. So this would have been 1990, I think. And again, this was a year after Dead Ringers. So if you know when that came out. Uh, yeah. And this, and Jeremy Irons won an Oscar for it. Okay, I'm going to look for it because yeah. this feels exactly like what I... When it I, so feels like a Christine movie in its own weird way. Like, how many times can I watch the same five movies? I yep. need something else from that time period. <laughs> All right, and then uh, another Netflix disc that we got... Uh, a movie that I had seen years ago and wanted to rewatch, and I thought Brandon would like it. He did Hillary and Jackie from, I think it was 99, 1999 oh, or 2000. Full, I fully know what you're talking about. I never saw it. Oh, it's good. It's so good. So it's Emily Watson and Rachel Griffiths and their sisters based on a real life uh, cellist, Jacqueline Dupre, who was the world was, you know, probably as famous if not as or more so than yo-yo ma like world famous cellist household name uh her sister jackie who is a flautist who isn't quite as good and then has to realize that she's never going to be as good and then uh uh, jackie develops ms and meanwhile there's also some weird things going on with jackie's depression and hillary's husband and all this stuff um it's you are watching two wonderful actresses play 30 years of sisterhood. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it's, it's good. It's, it's funny. I'm, it was based on a book. It was based on Hillary Dupre had written a book about her sister. Um, and it's based on that. And I'm reading the book now and the book book's okay. The movie is definitely a more interesting telling of it. Um, but it's, it's an odd one, but it really is just to watch two very good actresses tackle very interesting, complex women and their relationship with each other is well worth it. Emily Watson is so good. She's always so good. But when she's playing a manic cellist, like, that's really exciting. Yeah, I remember, I don't necessarily remember when this came out, but I remember when I first started hearing people talk about it. Yeah, I think they were both I- nominated for Oscars for it. And I was like, oh, that could be good, but difficult? And it is. It definitely is. There's there's a lot of elements going on. And 
I really like how the film kind of what the film does is it sort of splits them. So you're watching the same period of time and the first half is kind of through Hillary's eyes. The second half is through Jackie's eyes. Um, so you're seeing the, you know, you kind of get a different perspective on these women in, in two different chapters, if you will. It's, it's well made and well done. And I mean, a showcase for two really great actors, but it it's much more complex than I think it could very like if you were to look at the poster of it, it's just you know there are two faces and probably says like Academy Award nominated. It looks like kind of, I always think of this with atonement of like oh this is an Oscar bait movie, but it's so much more interesting than you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, from the director of the criminally underrated Leap Year, starring Amy Adams and Matthew Good. So that's reason enough, yeah. honestly. I have not seen Leap Year, so did not know it was underrated. We'll keep I, well, that in I just, mind. They're both very good. Well, yeah. And it's competently made. Sometimes people just hate romance. This is a, a thousand percent true. <laughs> uh, the other drama I would put in this category. Um, so you you saw Hustlers and liked it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but did you think, like, it was missing something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, like, yeah, Constance Wu is great. But wouldn't it? Have, wouldn't you have liked her better if she was a soccer mom? What did you watch? Lifetime premiere of Soccer oh, Mom Madam, which is just a basically asylum version of Hustlers. <sighs> oh, it's done I'm in the sure. same style. It's narrated. There's quick cuts. Oh, gosh. I'm sure it wasn't offensive at all. I would like to tell you, I am going to spoil the ending. I don't like to do this normally. You know, I, I wouldn't dream of spoiling a movie that I know very few people have watched. But I have to on this one. So Soccer Mom Madam hits it big, is doing really great, but then, of course, can't trust people, and then things come falling down. Soccer Mom Madam ends up in prison, like, for a year, but she gets out of prison. But by this point, her daughter has, like, left her. Her daughter, like, can't handle things. So Soccer Mom Madam um, is, goes driving one day, and she – and, like, you watch a Lifetime movie. The thing about Lifetime movies, they always end abruptly, right? And you're looking at the clock, and you're like, it's 8.59, we don't have much time left and we don't have a finale. What's going to happen? Soccer mm-hmm. Mom Adam drives by a pig farm, pulls off the pig farm and narrates that it turned out this is what I was meant to do. I found happiness on a pig farm. Credits roll. Next Lifetime movie comes on. What? Uh-huh. 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 So again, like if you watched Hustlers and thought, but what if it had more pigs? Soccer Mom Adam is the movie for you. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, comedy. Moving on to comedy. I've got two comedies. Uh, let me see. Hold on. I, I think I have like thirty-five horror movies, and I have two comedies. Um, I don't know that I have any comedies, but I'm. Let me just let this. This is why you and me load. do a podcast. You know, this is, we, this is it. We don't. We don't like to laugh here. No, no, no. comedy's hard. Um, let me see. Ah, well, I mean. <laughs> It's pretty much everything I've watched, I've already talked about, and it's actually, like, horror or <laughs> something. Um, like, Werewolves Within is in here. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, re- I rewatched a couple things. I rewatched Arachnophobia, Night of the nice. Comet, nice. Night of the Creeps. Uh, does Night, Night of the, the Comet gets better every single time. Every single yeah. time. Like, I, I remember the first time I watched it, and I liked it, but I didn't get why everybody was so crazy about it. And then I watched it again, like, five years later, and was like... Oh no! This is transcendent. Yep. Yeah. Every time it's better and better. It, it uh, really Zach is. had never seen it all the way through, so we watched it. Um, I rewatched Jumpin' Jack Flash again because it's 
um, honestly one of the best <clears throat> movies ever it's, made. It's not streaming anywhere, right? I don't know. I think we we own it at this point, okay. but I still um, it's killing me that I haven't seen that. I don't have any comedies, but I will say for some reason Cruella is showing up here. Did you watch Cruella? I did, but I don't think it's a comedy. <laughs> um, but I did watch Cruella. I I guess I liked it three stars worth. There's a lot to like in Cruella. Um, I wish it could have just been like a cool movie about like a radical girl who loves fashion and loves spectacle and who's weird and aggressive and not about a lady who ends up <laughs> wanting to murder lady. puppies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it gets weird that they needed to do that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there's like a really cool story there. And I think that if I had seen this as a girl, I would have potentially really latched onto it. But um, I don't know. There's just the need to make it be a, a, an origin story takes away from yeah. it for me. Okay. But I did watch it. Uh, interesting. How do you think Emma Stone was? I've heard mixed things. I think she's great. There is yeah. a part towards the end where, like, I was just watching her almost crying. Not because I was feeling, like, not because I was relating to the character, but because she was selling it so well mm. that, like, even though I didn't feel like I got where she, why she was upset, I was like, oh, but she's so upset, and I believe her so much. <laughs> Aww. Uh, the only so the comedies I have one uh, just came on Hulu. Barb and Star visit Delmar. <gasps> it was so it's good. So much fun. It like it's it's just sweet. It's funny. It's goofy. It's stupid. Um, they're great. Uh, I will say, watching it, I, I said something to Brandon after because we had we had talked had been like talking a lot about Marvel movies. I said I'm like you know watching this makes me realize how good Chris Hemsworth is because is it Jamie Dornan or Jamie Doonan? What's his name? Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan. His character is great in this and gets a lot of laughs, but I'm watching it and I'm thinking I should be laughing a lot harder at you. Like the way I was at Chris Hemsworth and Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I think he was really good in it and I really liked what he did and I thought he really committed to it, but I get what you're saying for sure. Like there was like an element, like it felt like you're not, you're not a natural comedian. Like the movie's making it work, I think. And it didn't like, yeah. Yeah. But I think it, I think it could have been even funnier with somebody else in that part. But no, I agree. You're like a James Marsden in that part, I think would have been like, Oh yeah, you you get you 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 know how to push it a little further. Do you know what I might have even said that? <gasps> I love you. exactly James mm-hmm. Marston. That was my exact. That feels right. But you're right when you when you bring it back to Chris Hemsworth. I think people are really. Um, I think it's because he's so fucking hot. Yeah, like he is funny. Oh, I, I don't know yeah. why we have such a hard time admitting that. Like no. he's genuinely funny. Because look at this other hot guy who's who's not as just like at his core funny yeah and and i think it really like cemented it because i mean obviously like the last thor movie was was a comedy like and it depended entirely on his comedic timing and so you really see it and realize oh he's a really good comic actor but just watching barb and star i was like i like there is something missing and i and i think there are there's other actors that would have found it i guess is what i'm saying yeah. But but an absolute delight. I recommend everybody watch it if you haven't already. And the last one is also a fucking delight. I think I feel like you 
if you didn't watch it, you must. Uh, also on Netflix, The Mitchells vs. the Machines. Oh, didn't watch it. I was just like, eh, I don't really like family right now. So This is delightful. It is okay. so sweet. It is so funny. Um, we, and for those who don't know, it's an animated movie. It is by a guy who worked on the, it's, it's produced by the Lego movie guys, um, whose names I always forget. They always sound like an action franchise. What's their Bill names? Miller and Chris Lord. Yeah, yeah. Miller and Lord. <laughs> but the way people, or Lord and Miller, the way people say it, it's like, um, I don't know, like G.I. Joe, Lord and Miller. Like, it, it has like a ring to it when they say it. Yeah. Uh, and it has like that sensibility. Um, it's definitely like, if you like Lego movie, you would like this. But I think this is even smarter. I think, um, like it, it's gay in a really cool way that like you you see from the beginning and then the movie commits to it and you're like yeah awesome um it's it's maximum overdrive basically as a family movie oh, and like it like this family is going on a road trip and the machines start acting out and they have to basically save humanity there is a sequence that is so clearly referencing chopping mall and killer clowns from outer space that's funny yeah um and we were and we both were laughing hysterically at different points during this movie and crying like i definitely teared up at the end it's Ugh, really sweet yeah. oh, um oh, man like the voice like it's it's like maya rudolph does a voice um abby from broad city does a voice like it's really funny it's really sweet it's really weird in a way that is clearly made by somebody that has watched movies that we've watched yeah yeah you should watch it oh i like that yeah, it's wonderful. Maybe. Okay. Uh, I, are you, you're finished? Mm-hmm. Is that it? On to TV. Okay, well, I just, I was going through my list, and there, I just wanted to mention a really good movie I watched that didn't show up in the other list for some reason, and it's called um, Most Likely to Murder. Did and it's, I watch this? I've seen a movie called Most Likely to Die. No, this, this is one is really movie. funny. It's from, to murder. it's from 2018, and it's starring Rachel Bloom, um, <gasps> oh. Adam Pally, and oh. um, Angel Sun, who, who will always be <laughs> Vincent Carthizer. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. And oh, and my boyfriend from um, uh, Save Yourself and um, Search Party. <gasps> oh, okay, nice, nice, handsome boy. I'm a real sucker for things that deal with um, my age group because I find it really sure. relatable. Um, and this is very much, this is like the kid that thought he was cool in high school comes back to his hometown and he's kind of a loser and he keeps projecting how cool he is, but he's not. His life is empty and he's kind of a loser and he was mean and shitty in high school and people don't want that anymore. They're beyond his mean shittiness. And he just tries to ruin the relationship of the girl that he is in love with and the new person that they knew in high school that she's dating. And he's like a loser and he sucks and he doesn't like them. And it, it's just a really oh, uncomfortably honest look at like who you thought you were in high school and what that is now maybe. Okay. And it's, um, so I'm looking at the, the director, writer, director is Dan Greger, who is Rachel Bloom's husband and who wrote a few crazy ex-girlfriend episodes. So I will definitely watch this. I thought it was great looking right now. It looks like it doesn't have awesome reviews. I really liked it. I thought it was genuinely funny, genuinely sweet and well done. 
And then the only other thing that I should mention is I did watch The Woman in the Window. Wait, The Woman um, in the Window is the Amy Adam one? Yeah. Okay. What did you, um, I have not watched it. I know people seem to really hate it. I didn't like it. I, it was one of my most anticipated movies. And Had you read the it, book? No, but it's Joe Wright, and it's obviously mm. extremely – it is extremely my genre. Sure. Um, so I was like, okay, well, this is – this is my movie. And when we all like, when movies stopped happening, this was, this was the one I was most upset about. Oh. I mean, actually there's probably like two or three, but this sure. is on the list. And I was, I was so bummed. And so like, I, I was really excited for it. Uh, and it's a letdown and I'm sad. It doesn't even look that good, which is sad. And, and but the, the boy in it is the boy from fear street. So oh. Nice. Full circle, everybody. Ah, <laughs> very nice. So currently, he's my most watched actor of the year because he was in those three movies, <laughs> and he's in this. I guarantee mine is mine has got to be like an asylum actor. Yeah, and it's weird. It's or maybe the Canadian guy from No Escape Room could be him. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's it. Nothing else worth talking about. All right. Well, let's let's dive into TV before we go. Okay. All right. Uh, a few things I watched uh, The One on Netflix which is based on a novel that I loved it's a new uh, came out like last year it was a British novel and the concept was sort of like Timer um, mm-hmm. the idea being there is a you send your DNA to this company and they find out if you have a, everybody has a match everybody has that one person and they can figure it out by DNA. So you send your DNA in and they will send you your match. And that person might live across the world. That person might not have registered. So you might not have a match and so on. And the book is great. I recommend this book so highly. It's a mystery. It's a, that one of them is a serial killer and he finds his match. Like the book is thrilling and you can't put it down. The TV show was a wild disappointment. Um, It was so odd because it was very clear that they decided they were not going to directly adapt the book. Like, mm-hmm. they adapt it, but they just shuffle everything around and don't quite tell the same stories, but t- tell the same elements. Mm-hmm. And it just made it so ordinary. Um, like, they throw the very first thing that happens is a murder mystery that's supposed to be, like, framing everything. And it's so TV. Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know what it was, but I was really disappointed. Read the book. Don't watch the show. Um, well, it sounds like a good book. It's a great book. It It is just a really, I read it on vacation, like in a day. Um, it's just a really well-written story that just like everybody's chapter. You're like, oh, it's this person. Oh, it's this person. High recommend um, as, the, as a book, not a show. Uh, <laughs> upon your advice, I did indeed watch American Horror Story 1984. Oh, I love it. You I say? enjoyed it. Um, far more so than... I, I stopped watching American Horror Story a while back. Um, this did feel separate from those. It felt fun. It had energy. Um, it did some things like the kind of, once I realized in the beginning, like, oh, no stakes. Everybody's going to die or everybody might already be dead and everybody has a crazy backstory. Like, okay, I, I get the rhythm now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Still, like, so, like the 80s-ness, like, the try-hard 80s-ness of it did get annoying because it just was never organic. Um, but overall, it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, I will say. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I I, I uh, went to rewatch it, and then I was like, no, I'm gonna give give it a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially after Fear Street too. Uh, and then the true. last TV I'll mention, um, because thanks to somebody, I was able to watch something that I'd anticipated and then didn't care yeah, about because everybody hated. You know it. It's The Stand. Woo! Oh. So I watched all of it. I oh. talked about that, right? You did, but not with. But I, I couldn't give you any feedback on that because I had not watched it, and I have now. Oh, boy. What a fucking mess. What a mess. So here's the thing. Like, it's not The Stand's fault that they were filming and then just about wrapped up and then a pandemic hit. And then we end up watching this show during a pandemic, but it is the show's fault that I'm watching a show about a pandemic and I haven't learned anything new, like anticipate something like there. I think they did one thing, right? I will say there is one thing the show did that I thought really was a strength. And that was the character of Harold. I thought um, that they, because I don't think the original miniseries understood him or used him well Mm -hmm. at all. And I think he is a bigger part of the book. um, And this show gave him, like, you understood him. He turned into, he's a very current character in that he's basically an incel, right? He's he's this internet kid who's really smart, but isn't nearly as smart as he thinks it is. And everybody hates him. And of course they do, because he's kind of awful. And even when there's one woman left in the world, she still doesn't want to sleep with him. And you understand why. And I thought the, they took you through all of that. I thought the actor was great. The, um, the casting on that was really phenomenal because he's in that empty man movie. I don't know it. I think it's called completely different character. Like, transformative yeah he's, really he's great like as an actor i thought he gave a great performance yeah, yeah, yeah. i was and i loved that they gave him the arc right they they let him go every which direction and mm-hmm. the shame was he i still have two and a half episodes without him right mm-hmm. like when he's gone you're like oh oh I, i'm still supposed to care about anything um mm-hmm. the rest of it was was what um Whoopi Goldberg was a non-entity and I had read a lot about how she didn't want to play Mother Abigail like like the way Mother Abigail is written because it's kind of a very reductive stereotype of a character. Yeah. That's great, but I have no fucking idea who Mother Abigail was in this telling because I, I got nothing from her. Um, the out-of-order sequencing was just stupid. It. Did nothing for it. It um, hurt it. It, it hurt it, you're right. Completely. It hurt it. It undercut everything. Yep. I, the whole the strength of the story is watching everyone grow and change and embrace yep. their new roles. If you never go on that journey, what was even the point? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially too, because the way it's done, it's almost as if at first you're like, "Oh, chapter one, so episode one is Harold. Oh, that's interesting. Episode two is going to be Larry. Okay, and then that just goes away completely." Yeah. Um, like the idea of Ray, like recasting Ray as an, an indigenous woman, is a cool idea. Except they gave her nothing, except nothing. one joke about basically being an indigenous person, and they go there, and it's stupid. Uh, the I know, Angelique, I'm sorry if you liked it. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> she, she wants to She's talk. Very, to me. very. She, I, she just thought Alexander Skarsgård's cute. I think that's what oh, it came down to. Oh, uh huh. Yep. Like, and he was fine, but he didn't, like, you could, like, he could have, I thought he could not have done better, but he could have done better with better material. Yeah. Um, 
the I I liked that they didn't make I think a big mistake of the miniseries the original miniseries was combining um, Nadine with Rita because it doesn't make sense because then you never believe that Nadine was a virgin quite frankly and I thought they sold Nadine better I I liked Amber Heard I thought I thought like okay they've gotten the, the haunted quality of her better uh, the and I thought some stuff worked with her after. Um, Larry grew on me at first. I thought there this is just wasting time. I don't even get why we're doing his story, and I still kind of feel that way. I don't think they started him far enough back to have gotten him to a point. But I did his performance really grew on me in the end. But it just so much of it was just man. Like Fiona Dorf was there, and I liked that she was there and got to wear cool clothes. The ending was so oh, oh the step up fiveness of it all, the entire everything Vegas. I'm like, this is step up all in. Like this is that it, whole finale, and she is playing I, the Effie White character. I did say that myself, so oh, I I'm you. glad that we both uh-huh. acknowledge uh-huh. that. Um, I I loved seeing her. I loved her being there. There was a I'd say everything I liked was in Vegas. I'm trying to look it up because I can't think of her name, but um, the actress who played uh, the character's name I can never remember either. The crazy Oklahoman, Julie. Julie, yes. So she was for me a high point, and then the other high point was um, Alexander Wolves' older brother. So I, you know, I felt I was happy anytime he was on screen because I'm like. I don't know exactly what you're what you're doing in relation to what's there, but it's something different, and I'm happy yeah. for it. Yeah, and I'm excited that somebody's bringing Some, something to the party. Somebody made choices because other people did. Whoopi Goldberg yeah. did not make any choices or was not given any choices to make. But I, but Harold Louder, not Harold Louder. I always get the two characters confused. Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd made fucking yeah. choices. So them two together were really fun. Agreed. I really, and I believed his like mild crisis of conscience, conscience at the end. All like most of the Vegas stuff I was much more on board for than everything else because it was really flat and boring. Yeah. And I thought, what's her face was S- Franny. <clears throat> oh, I don't... It, it was exhausting. Yeah. That, that's a tough character. It's, it's because, and she's, Molly Ringwald is awful in the miniseries and very poorly cast. Uh, in the book, Franny is also a problem because she's just the woman. And the, the problem I had, well, what what's also sucks is one of the things they did in this miniseries, they cut out one of the other women, um, Sue, who's like important to the story in that there's, it also means all of the woman stuff isn't Franny. But instead, she's gone, so all of the woman stuff is Franny. <laughs> and it's like, oh. <sighs> it's, it's a shame. I think it would have been a lot better, and there would have been a lot more there if they had kept it linear. Um, it, it, it constantly undercut itself. It constantly yeah. challenged you to care about what it was presenting. Uh, it was just a strange um, and unnecessary choice, um, I guess, because for... I've never read the book, but I've I've seen the original miniseries and I've read about the original miniseries in reference to the book. So, like, I have a de- decent understanding. There are parts of this new one that 
feel like full lifts from the original miniseries. So much. I was really surprised by that. And I and like, but it also made you feel like, look, you're either like, and that's why the time jumps, I think, were so weird. Because it felt like they were trying really hard to not be the miniseries. Yes. But I also don't know how you adapt it without that. Because the miniseries, with except in terms of like, what the miniseries omit, what the, we're talking about the 1994 McGarris miniseries, it it combines characters. Like, that's the main thing it does. Which you understand, and it, yeah, except in some it. cases, it makes no sense. And the, mm-hmm. Nadine is, the, is such a key character. Because the thing is, like, she's supposed to be this beautiful woman who is a teacher, but she's really awkward, and there's something very off about her. And you find out, well, it's because when, like, she has known her whole life that she is meant to be with the devil, essentially. And so she is a virgin. And in the original miniseries, they make her Laura San Giacomo as a New Yorker who, when you meet her, is, like, popping pills with her husky voice. You're like, this bitch has definitely had sex. Like, don't sell her as that. She's not that character. It's inauthentic. Right. And so this this telling works better because in, in the mini the original miniseries, she's the character of Joe, the kid, um, they don't pair them together. So in this one, it is and it makes sense that she has this connection. Like I thought they told her story much better than they did in the original. But eh, it's still yeah. and again, I don't know how you do it without really breaking it. And I don't think anybody is willing to do that with a Stephen King property because, well, when Stanley Kubrick did The Shining, Stephen King got mad. So if you ever yeah. want to work with Stephen King again, you can't do that. Yeah. 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 Oh, weird. I know. I'm glad you watched it, though. Me too. I've been so curious. And, um, yeah, little surprise in the end. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. But I want to hear your other TV watches. Well, I finished Cruel Summer. Okay, overall, where'd you land on it? I still have not watched it. Loved it. Interesting. It was phenomenal. So there's two, actually, I mean, I guess there's three lead actresses. Um, Harley Quinn Smith, which is Kevin Smith's daughter. Um, A brown-haired girl and a slightly blonder girl. (laughs) But you know them from things. Okay. The... So they're all really the, the thing. The thing I'm getting at is they're all like exceptional performers, and the there is one character that I did not like at all. That actress is actually in the second Fear Street movie. Oh, and she's phenomenal. And I went, oh, it was a choice. She they cho- She's on, dislikable on purpose. And if you can fully embrace that. Boy, that show is a wild fucking ride. It's upsetting. It is everything is handled really well. It's about grooming and gaslighting and how much blame we will allow ourselves to accept for things we had no control over. It's beautiful and wonderful and there's going to be a second season, so you should watch it. Interesting. Okay, I I will. I promise I will. And everybody was like that last episode. Oh wow. Truly. Huh. I, oh, oh, big oh wow. Oh man, I loved it so much. I got goosebumps just thinking <laughs> about it. I thought it was so good. It was really good storytelling. Nice. Very nice. Yay. Um, I watched other stuff. Oh, I started watching Evil, which is a show. Okay, I watched the first episode of that. Somebody at work kept telling me to watch it. I, I haven't gotten very far. Does it get more interesting? Because I thought the first episode well, was okay. 
it was okay. So I'm still kind of like in the okay, but mm-hmm. like it's very watchable. Um, it hits a lot of TV tropes that are kind of like low key comforting. Um, and and James suggested it, and he had he had described it as like X Files but with religion. And the second he explained it like that, I got it. I could see that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I know what this show is, and I know what my level of investment can be. Okay, and, yeah. And that's really helped me. And it does some really cool things. And occasionally it's a little, like, procedural and rote and boring. Which I, it, I don't mind having more shows like that, because I feel like, cool. like, and hey, I'm still the world's biggest Law & SVU fan, and there are less shows that I can do that with because so many every show now is made as a potential miniseries long arcing story like I I like a procedural like and they don't make them anymore yeah I I would say if you're at all interested maybe stick with it yeah I might get back to it every time I'm like I don't know it'll zag on me just enough where I'm like whoa okay I'm interested again <laughs> well and something like I like the core cast of it because I, I love the lead actress uh, was on uh, Manhattan a TV show that nobody watched yeah. that we did that we loved and she's great and I like the continuance of um, when Mike Coulter is on things and everybody acknowledges how fucking good looking he is yeah. Because on Luke Cage, that was like a constant joke. Was like everybody every time Luke Cage walked in, it was like, oh no, everybody would stop and be like, wow, he's fucking handsome. And I appreciate that because I don't want to live in a world where we can't acknowledge, like where that's just normal. Like no, 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 Mike Holder is not a normal handsome. He's a ridiculous handsome. And he's in the ridiculous. one episode I watched, like everybody was like, wow, he's really good looking, huh? And and it continues because he's this this priest, not necessarily a lapsed priest, but he's this priest, and he's always wearing like these vests and these sweaters and these button downs that are tucked in nice. these pants and I'm mm-hmm. like can we all talk about <laughs> like this? yes let's accept that this is not normal um I, I used to really like how uh Big Little Lies did that with Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård every character acknowledged that they were beautiful and I'm like, like thank oh, you look at them yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. for for not making me feel like this is a normal way to be that even like Reese Witherspoon is like god I wish I looked like you like right we all do right okay good okay just making sure yeah. and it actually it worked too because that's literally part of the oh totally of yeah yeah it's, you know, what we believe, what things look like isn't how they always are. Yes, But yes. I I think it's good enough to continue with if you're interested. Okay. Um, I, the only other thing I can think of that's, that, that I finished or that I want to talk about <laughs> is, um, is Loki. Which we is- have not started yet. We are going to soon. We were pacing it between different seasons of things. So that is the next show we're going to start. Um, so don't go into too much detail. But give me not. your I, thumbs up, thumbs down. I, I think you're a big never thumbs do up. That to you. Oh, you're, you're um, too good. It is a thumbs up. It is. Um, I was. I was very slow to to allow myself to be on board. Okay. Um, the first episode for me. This is not a spoiler, but for the first mm-hmm. episode for me was was too much of a rehash of things we already knew about. Okay. And, um, I understand the need to kind of like get everybody on the same page but like to me it was a little aggressive which is fine I pushed past it um I think it was somewhere around maybe the third or the fourth episode I 
it blew my fucking mind. It was everything I wanted. It was fantasy and romance and beautiful colors and sweeping gestures and action. And it was a fairy tale. Nice. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that you were doing this. (laughs) I didn't know that this was what it was going to be. And and then by the time, like, you know how, like, you watched um, Scarlet Witch, right? Yes. WandaVision, yes. Sorry. (laughs) Or as I call her, Scarlet Witch. You watch Scarlet Witch show. Um, So, like, you know how everybody leading up to the end of that was like, this is how it's going to end, and this, that, and the other thing, and we're going to, it's going to be the lead into this, and it kind of wasn't the lead into anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of approached Loki like, well, this isn't going to be the lead into anything, because none of them have been yet, so why would this one? And, like, I'm really happy with the scope of it. I'll just say that. Nice. Okay. Good. I want you to watch it. I, We're going to. Because I want to talk about it in, in context of Star Wars with you. Ooh, okay. All right. We, we will. We both have so many assignments now. I know. <laughs> so when we meet again, we will. Yes. Okay. We have to compare notes. <laughs> so we should have like a spreadsheet with like checking off tasks and everything. I know. But I am very, I'm curious to hear your take because mm-hmm. I, I've seen that a lot of people like it and I just... I hope that you like it, but I would like to know why you liked it because okay. I don't think I liked it for the same reason other people did. <laughs> Very nice. Um, is there a lot of people flying? Um, no, I think for as fantastical, I, this is, I'm giving you a real answer to this for, for as, as fantastical as this one is, it still remains more grounded than that Black Widow movie. Okay, cool. I like hearing that. Which is weird. Right? It's, yeah. There's magic. There's magic in this. It's about gods and magic. It's Loki. Yeah. It's the Loki show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, restraint. I know. <sighs> okay. Cool. Wonderful. So when we next meet, we'll figure out something. Yeah, sure. But in the meantime, everybody, we gave you a whole lot of stuff to watch or not watch. Or stuff that, like, you shouldn't watch, but maybe you should watch. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. not. Look, I don't control your life. No, no. We can't make your decisions for you. No. Um, although I will strongly recommend people do not rent an apartment from a man on roller skates in Roosevelt Island. Because that just seems no, like, don't do that. if I can leave you with something, I leave you with that. Wise words. Yes. All right. In the meantime, Christine, do you have books and articles and such that everybody should find? Where do they find them? Um, huh? I don't know. I mean, if you're really interested in anything that I'm doing, I think the best route is to follow me on Twitter. They just listen point. to you talk about movies for three hours. So I'm thinking they're, they, somebody ah! out there cares. Oh, boy. So it's xteen underscore makepeace on Twitter. Um, that's where I'm most active. Um, but I'll post things. I have new, new stuff coming out at some point. Okay. Um, and that's exciting. What about you? What are you doing? Where are you? I don't know. No, hanging, chilling. Right. Chilling no. out. Yeah, I'm going to make dinner soon. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't write as cool stuff as Christine, but if you, I still have a blog going, believe it or not. So, deadlydollshouse.com for movie reviews. Yay! What did you, what is the last thing you reviewed? I don't know, because I'm like months ahead of myself now. Um, so, you, you, just, you do them and you just like 
keep them banked and then like, I do because like I used to like back in the day when like blogging was a big thing it would be like every you know every week I'd have like two or three posts and everybody else would and you'd comment on them and it's just changed so much it's like now yeah. it's still just like I watch a movie and I want to like if I want to write about it I write about it but then I do it like I don't want to have like five in a week and then not write for two months so I just for post them months, so yeah. that I have one a week um, so I've been writing about Black Mirror. So there's that. Oh, cool. oh my Amityville, The Evil Escapes uh, art review was out there. And that's just a classic. I, wa- of, I, of... I didn't talk about it, but <gasps> I watched that. You didn't talk about it. Did you love it? It was weird. Wait, I didn't an art about it. But did you not love it? Like it's about an evil floor lamp and it blows up. I, li- I liked it. Yeah. And, and they tease as if the next movie is going to be about a possessed cat, but it's not. I did. I did like that and I was sad that it didn't come to fruition. It's definitely an oddity that I did enjoy. I liked the you know I like weird horror with kids. Yeah, and the kids are great. Like the kids are yeah. like likable. Yeah. It was weird. I watched it. I'm glad I watched it. Good, good. But I have to go read what you have to say about it. <laughs> I mean really I'm just also um I got obsessed because at the yard cell they pass by a lamp. That is not a floor lamp. It's a desk lamp, but it's a cat face. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, and I want it. I'm going to change my Facebook page now so that that's my cover photo. I I think I said, wait, is that the lamp? Because I knew it was about a lamp because I had just edited an article about it. And then I was like, wait, that wasn't a lamp. (laughs) There's a weirder looking lamp than that. I want the movie about that lamp. It is the greatest thing in the world. I'll I'll put a picture of it on on the page. Weird. God, yeah. Like, I, I wonder if I can go to Etsy and ask somebody to make that. I'm sure I could. I'm sure I wonder if my could. husband would allow me to have that in the apartment that he lives in, too. Yeah, right. I'm sure he wouldn't. <laughs> okay. So, that was stuff. Find us in places. Um, don't buy haunted floor lamps at Long Island garage sales, because bad things will happen. And uh, that's just about it. Stay cool this summer, cool kids. And now, by request from Bay Ridge, Larry Underwood, and Baby, can you dig your man? Well, Baby, can you? I know you've got the head drop right there in your eyes. But here I am, Baby, on my knees to apologize. There's nothing I won't do for the two of us to make a stand. Did it, can you?